special. She can execute anyone at her own will. <laughs> Adam Curry, John C. Devorak. It's Sunday, July 7, 2013. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 528. This is No Agenda. Enjoying my star chamber in the Travis Heights hideout in Austin, Tejas, capital of the Drone Star State. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where it's dark and there's crickets out, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. Did you have, like, some kind of corporate deal with the cricket maker guys? I'm thinking what I can do if I, if I keep saying that this sounds like crickets. Then people will believe it. Take place. Yeah, then, then people, oh, yeah. That sounds just like crickets. No, it doesn't sound. Do it. Do it. Do make the sound. We've been listening to this for ten minutes already. Yeah. No. Oh dear, there's crickets. <laughs> what shall we? Let's stay inside. There's crickets. So uh, we had a number of incidents uh, over the past few days. We're hoping to get, to hit our uh, six-week cycle. One of them, I think, had promised, but it got screwed up by this airplane crash, which we've determined is not. Part of anything, and, he, and especially when the FBI comes out and says, no terrorism yeah. here. Yeah, so uh, we need to, to backtrack just a little bit. Uh, there may be some newer listeners to the program. Uh, we were informed quite a while ago by um, um, people inside of the FBI that the FBI uh, does a lot of these these uh, kind of like honeypot deals where they infiltrate a group and they're goading the guy and like you know they at no point does he ever have any real explosives and then they're like yeah man hey hey, hey you've dialed the cell phone number and he'll blow it all up and the reason why they do this approximately every six weeks is because that's how they maintain their budgets that's how they grow the organization that's what they do quite frankly and we don't know if this is happening in every agency but we have pretty good uh confirmation, affirmation, this is happening with the FBI. And we've been able to kind of set our clocks by it. And we were, um, I guess, 4th of July was time for a new one. Is that it? Yeah, the 4th of July, July week. Right. Uh, I, I right. would uh, say that the um, incident in Washington State would qualify. I could say, I, I wouldn't, there's a train wreck, a peculiar train wreck that took place up in Canada, but that that doesn't seem to be getting any legs. No, and then, of course, no. everything was uh, upended by the 777 crash, which looked like it would have been a gem play up. <laughs> but, yeah, but there, you're right. And it was really interesting to see this happen. Um, and most people who listen to the show for a while know that I have been flying for, um, well, what is it now, John, a decade? More than a decade I've been flying. Yeah, like 12 years. I've been flying helicopters, airplanes, and one and of And there's that long period of time where you were smoking dope all the time. While flying. And uh, <laughs> what uh, what is always interesting is to see how the reporting is done on aviation incidents, because this is something I, one of the few things I actually know a lot about. You know, we, you know <laughs> I, I do have a couple of clips I want to play before you get into your sure. analysis. Yeah, sure, sure. Because I was watching, I was watching the the uh, reporting of this from uh, Central China News Service. Mm -hmm. Because most of the people that were on that plane were Chinese. In fact, most and of the people this, on the plane. Were, can I just ask you something about that? Yeah. Yeah. So there were 160 Chinese people on this plane. Yeah, a lot of students. What are? Oh, they're students. I'm like, what are they doing? 
A lot of them are students. Are we like Africa now, where there's just a million Chinese everywhere, and they're like building pipelines and hospitals? Well, I guess they're and... in the Korea. They have to take a flight out of Seoul. I don't know if they don't trust their own carriers. I do know. And before you get into your clips, I, I, and I think we've talked about this before, that when you are in um, in the California airspace, in particular around San Francisco, you almost cannot understand what is being said on the radio because it's all Asian students, primarily Chinese, who are learning to fly. It's Ferrero Shiro Rara Rara Line. What? Ferrero Shiro Nara Line. What? You have no idea what they're talking about. It's it's insane. The airspace above San Francisco is unintelligible Asian pilots. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. No, it's not. It's, it's frightening well, when you're it's up there. It's not funny to you. No, it's not. It's not. No, it's not that funny. You're saying. No. So I got a couple of things. So one, there was one very peculiar report, but let's see what we got. We got Asian passengers report. Uh, I think that's the second one. Weird testimony of crash. Now, I want to start with this one. This is a kid that was on the flight, and he... <clears throat> He was talking. It was weird. What he says is odd enough. But then when he says he was sitting next to a hole in the fuselage, a cop, you don't get to see this on the clip, but I'm going to tell you what happened. A cop came rushing over and grabbed him and hauled him off. Mm-hmm. So well, while, while he was doing this? Yeah. Well, that's weird. What? What's, uh, this was on the Chinese news? Yeah. All right, let's listen to it. One of the passengers aboard Asiana Airlines flight 2214 spoke to reporters after the crash. He described what happened when the plane came in to land at San Francisco International Airport. The plane went like, jolting up and down, and then, um, and then it flipped or something like that, I'm not sure. And then it um, hit the ground, and then, yeah, so. And, and what, what happened? Were people injured? What, what oh, happened next? the top just totally like, collapsed on a lot of people, so a lot of people were injured, yeah. Okay, and where were you sitting? I was sitting next to, like, this big hole. <laughs> yeah. Now, one thing that there kind of struck me was the, the fuselage. I guess it was you know they slams down and the and the roof caves in. Yeah, this um, is but this is not uh, this is not abnormal. Yeah, uh, well, I, I, I've had a hard landing once in my Cessna 182. Uh, besides it, it, re- it really rattling my my teeth, like 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 really really, and I think I only landed hard from. I'll say ten feet, perhaps, but you know, essentially, a hard landing is the the wing the wing stall. So you have no lift. It's not an engine stall, but the wing stall. You have no lift, and then you you fall to the ground like a brick. There's no floating, no gliding. It's like boom, you're down. It threw all my inst. I had to have the entire instrument panel taken out because uh, the altimeter, everything was bent and broken. Uh, the airframe. Uh, I was lucky that the airframe didn't have to go back into the jig. And this is just ten feet with a Cessna. So to have this, to have the roof cave in is not unexpected at all. Okay, so now we go to Chinese passengers report. There's just a bunch of miscellaneous stuff here that's kind of interesting. This is all for your edification more than anyone else's. So you, when you give your report, you can take this into account. Okay. Thank you very much indeed. Our correspondent, Rebecca Bowring at San Francisco International Airport. Some eyewitnesses say the plane appeared to lose control as it landed, and others say the tail appeared to hit ground. Okay. So what, what's this is this is kind of fun to um, to analyze. 
it's probably it was exactly the opposite. But the way this is reported, it sounds like they were coming in wildly out of control, going from left to right. And then, oh, then the tail fell off. Whereas it's probably exactly the opposite, where they came in nice and smooth. The tail hits the seawall. And then, of course, when you know, when you have no tail and your landing gear is collapsed and you're essentially uh, just rushing down whatever. Right. Well, well, the guy that follows this has, I think, kind of an explanation because he saw that landing. Okay. Well, yeah. People who say that the plane flipped over and did triple somersaults. (laughs) That's out there. I saw was as it was coming into land at the last minute, you could see the front end pop up and then slam down. It was way too low, way too soon. And it just the wheels caught and the tail of the plane caught before it got to the runway. And then it pancaked on the runway. A Chinese passenger aboard Ajana Airlines flight 214 has described his experience at the moment the plane caught fire. Xu Da describes the crash on the social network site Weibo as China's version of Twitter. He says he was seated at one end of the plane and that the plane seemed to lose altitude very quickly on landing. As he looked through the window of the plane, it seemed to be level with seawall. The plane seemed to dip suddenly and then pull up abruptly. Afterwards, he heard a loud explosion and could smell burning and see flames. Another entry on Weibo, he says, during the half an hour it took between landing to evacuation, the passengers and rescuers all remained very calm. There was no shouting and passengers evacuated in an orderly fashion. In response to the crash of the uh, Asiana Airlines flight in San Francisco, CCTV has launched an update service via social networking platforms. Okay, that's good. Yeah, uh, that shouldn't even be on there. Okay, so okay, yeah, well, let me let me give you a little analysis. Um, what you're hearing here is pretty useless. Uh, it's interesting that it's coming from the Chinese television and uh, and from you know from Chinese Twitter. But none of this, you know, when people say, I've read everything from it was coming in too low, way too fast, where all data shows exactly the opposite, that it was, if anything, it was the aircraft was going too slow. But for me, the fun thing was to immediately, and, you know, I I think we can all agree that uh, I am always looking for the story behind the story. I'm always looking for, and we've done lots of aviation uh, analysis where we think there has been a lot of fishiness going on or incomplete answers or something may even be covered up. Uh, we've talked about this uh, many different incidents in, in the past six years. This one, though, uh, the fact that Sheryl Sandberg uh, switched flights to get her to get miles on United, that means nothing. <laughs> this is, it was not a message to Facebook. I don't think they were trying to kill her. And that the guy from Samsung was on the plane. And I, this was rampant. On any one of these flights, there's a lot of I mean, famous people on yeah, the plane. Yeah, of course, of course. But and the Sandberg thing, I'm sketchy about it. It sounds like, you know. It sounds, well, why, it sounds why, like she's a whore and wants to promote her book is what it sounds like to me. That's what it sounds like to me, too. I mean, why would, if I was transferred flights, and I do it all commonly, uh, and then the plane crashed, I'm not going to go out, oh, geez, I could have been on that plane. I, it's just like, you know, I'm on another plane. Uh, no, you would. You probably would have. Uh, if and, I had a book out. Yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it back. I, uh, a publicity whore is what I meant to say, not a whore, publicity whore. Yes, because, it's a publicity whore. Because that's what right. I'm seeing. I'm seeing. Right. I wouldn't do it unless I had a book to sell. Right. 
But but let's go to this last one, and I, ha- I, hate, I hate to bring the bell out on this one, but there's this, this little correspondent, cute little British girl who looks frightened, mm-hmm. and but she's she's cute, very pretty. Uh, on the, again, the Chinese news service, I put CNN on here, and I call her the um girl because she has this uh, habit of saying um, uh, not just uh, which is very um, common amongst. She's like a Hummer. She's a she's a she's kind of like a Hummer, um, but she doesn't really she doesn't come off as one, but. Her ums kind of make up for it. And unfortunately, I have to ring the bell as we play this. Okay, before. no, that's all right. We always appreciate that. The plane. Um, some have gone to nearby cities to, to wait it out. Um, but as I say, tomorrow morning is when we will have an update um, on the assessment of that team. Um, terrorism has been ruled out by the FBI, which is an important thing to add because after 9-11, questions are immediately raised as to whether or not there is some link to terrorism. We do not believe that to be the case. And various theories are being put forward um, at this stage of absolutely <laughs> only speculation. Um, but some people are wondering if there was a power outage on the plane. Uh, other people wondering if the fact that the runway was lengthened in recent weeks <laughs> might have impacted on the pilot's approach. Um, Wait a minute. No Wait a minute. Was she a passenger? No, no, she's a reporter. Oh, okay, thank you. I'm like, wait a minute, what is she? She and she is just talking out of her anus. This is this is funny. Um, survivor of that. Um, also, a piece of technology, a device which helps pilots to judge um, distances and height as they come into land. A piece of technology that helps pilots to measure distance and height. It's been around since World War II, young lady. <laughs> this piece of technology. Um, has reportedly been out of action for a few days. Out of action for a few days. Oh, so, yes. again, people are asking questions about <laughs> this is your how best the clip. could have come down in beautiful weather. It was a clear blue sky. No, how is it uh, possible? San Francisco this morning. No, no. So, um, we just have to let the uh, accident investigators do their job. But certainly, many questions <laughs> are being asked about how this could have happened. All right, all right. This, thank you. This was a good clip because this is exactly what pisses me off so much. And and any one of you listening to this podcast will know some. Something, you're an expert in something. It may be gardening, it may be bicycle shop repair, it may be uh, trading stocks and bonds. I don't know what it is. It's probably. Have one of those guys give, give us some tips. <laughs> what a stocks and bonds. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you may be working. Yeah, I don't in think a, you need to justify your position. I think we should get into No, I'm not justifying now. the position. I'm ju- I just want to remind people this is, hey, th- give me a break here is that when you see something in the news that you actually know something about and it's completely wrong, you must assume everything else in the news is wrong. That's the point I'm making. Oh, yeah. You, and you tend to do that, I think, which means uh, I mean, we make these mistakes. We say some boneheaded stuff once in a while, but we usually make up for it yes. in, a, yeah. in a um follow-up. Well, here's what happened. Um, first of all, this is great because um, only two people died. Why am I getting the bell rung at me? I said great. Said, um. <laughs> okay, okay. Every single time you say so, I'll hit you with that. I wish you would. Now, I, we have the show would be too long. Oh. This is a. God, now you've made me self-conscious. This is this is an interesting uh, accident because we have two pilots who are alive, very low uh, death count. Everyone got off the plane uh, quickly, and of course the two uh, uh, victims. I believe that they were probably ripped out of the plane when the tail came off. Yes, a- actually, one report f- <laughs> by the Chinese. Let me get to my analysis, Mister Clip. Said that the two guys were thrown, two women two thrown women. out. Yeah, now they, they, it sounds like they were ripped out, which sucks. Um. 
Nope, I didn't. Um, the ILS, the instrument landing system, uh, on this particular runway was uh, is out of service until August. This was mentioned in the NOTAM, the Notice to Airmen. Nothing unusual about that. Uh, had they needed to do an instrument landing, they could have taken runway 19. Not a problem. That was fully in service. Um, when you do a visual approach, and most of in San Francisco, most of these landings are visual approaches, mainly because of the weather. It's also a beautiful, it's almost straight in all the way. Um, and it's nice coming over the water, and then and then you're down. It's a huge, huge long runway. Um, you also have um, your PAPI lights, Pappy lights, or you might hear a lot of uh, boneheads on uh, the news talking about poppy lights or whatever. They have no idea what they're talking about. Uh, P-A-P-I, and this is um, the red and white lights position so that you can find the exact right glide path. And if you're too low, then you have four red. If you're too high, you get four whites. And if you're exactly on the glide path, you have two red lights and two white lights. Now, these lights could have been tampered with. That's entirely possible. But that's pretty much how you come in. But also, if you know how to drive a car... Um, you kind of get a feel after 10,000 hours of flying of how, where are you going to put this airplane down? It's, this is not like some big, magical, mystical thing. You, know, you do have a feel for the plane unless you don't know what you're doing. Or maybe you haven't practiced in years and just letting the plane auto land. And these guys came in too low. And from the data we have, which is not, not uh, necessarily accurate, it's radar data, we can see that it appears the plane, the aircraft, was going too slow at a certain point, may have stalled. They hit full throttle, then essentially tried to execute a go-around, uh, popped up the, the nose, which is over rotation. Uh, maybe they weren't even in rotation. The tail hits the, the seawall, and that's it. The rest of the plane slams down, and that thing is starting to break apart the minute that happens. And you know, you're still doing, according to the data we have, about uh, 85 miles an hour, so you're, you're going to glide on for a bit. And there's really nothing more or less to it. There doesn't seem to be any... any I w- I'm going to say probably pilot error, uh, uh, in, in, unless there were some catastrophic event that doesn't appear to have happened that cut the engines um, you know, a thousand feet up, but the data we have now just doesn't show it. So we have two pilots who are alive. We have a black box. Um, we'll, and by the time you listen to this podcast, everything may already be, be known, but um, I agree, John, that the minute the FBI came out and went... Uh, and it's funny how whenever we have these events, usually speculation of terrorism is right on the front. Except when it's really not set up and it really is an accident. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like... It was a weird... <laughs> Did you guys do anything in that department? No. We're clean. No, all clear here. Hey, is, is this CIA ops? No, no. They call USA Today. They usually they know more than we do. No, no, we don't know anything. Okay, bring out the guy to say it's not us. Uh, it's a bad day uh, in aviation. That's, <laughs> that's a day wrecker is what we call it. Now, it's, that's not to say... Because uh, I did read, um, here we go, the White House put out a statement. Soon after the plane crash in San Francisco, the president was made aware of the incident by Lisa Monaco, assistant to the president for homeland security and counterterrorism. It's not to say they, they won't use it. That, that is always a possibility. You know? I think it's going to be hard. I think, yeah, it's very hard to do that now. But, but you know, the, 
I'm sure they, they probably evaluated it. Can we use this? Can we do anything with this? No, no, no. All right. Oh, well. Oh, well. Only thing, I'll give you my little minor crackpot theory. We've had uh, a huge, I think we had uh, a Class X a solar flare. At, and at around the same time, there was another 777 that had an incident. Um, hmm, where is it? Uh uh, there was another one. There was another triple seven that had some incident about five minutes uh, apart from the flight two fourteen. Maybe, maybe, maybe somewhere it is possible that uh, instruments got you know jiggered because of some kind of solar. Because we have had some very severe We've solar, had some solar weather. events. Yeah. So it's possible, but you know, you know, Maybe I don't. Be a good excuse for the pilot. Yeah, I'm I'm not very familiar with the triple seven. What kind of uh, steam gauges they have? Because all most aircraft that I know of, yeah, they got the computers and everything, but they still have kind of a steam gauge version of an altimeter, and that's kind of what you need. You know, your speed and altitude. You, you can you can do pretty well with those two, and it just seems like they they messed it up. It's sad, but that's it. Well, it wasn't a major disaster. It was no. just a disaster. Yeah. Oh, does, no. What what constitutes a disaster? Do you does it have to have a certain body count or? No, I don't even think it's body count. I think a building, a, a bridge collapsing, and nobody getting killed is a disaster. That's a disaster. That crazy galloping Gertie on the Verrazano Straits. You know that bridge that was swinging back and forth with a car on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, though I think the only the, uh, death was the dog <laughs> in the car. I remember that. Me. Yeah. It, so John Kerry's head. Can we call that a disaster? Is that does that count? <laughs> a big head. Maybe with big head. Did you see him? So did you know when a revolution he, is not planned? By the planned? way, he is the worst Secretary of State. Oh well, and and he he doesn't even know how to do it right. No, all he does is talk. But worse, so Egypt is in the midst of a, an, a, some form of revolution, and he is taking a canoe out to his tender to get on his yacht. He was on this <laughs> boat. Did you see these pictures of him in a canoe? It's hilarious. He's he's taking he, yeah, it's a little red canoe, and he's taking the canoe out to the tender. You know, the tender is kind of the boat that takes you to the shot to the yacht, and then he's he's got his backpack and his weekend bag, and he's like looking at the cameras, like hey hey, what are you doing, man? And he was on his yacht. I mean, it, the the president was in the you know in the set at B. Yeah, you know, he was in the his his war room, his situation room. Looking all concerned, and everybody was there except Carrie. He couldn't even make it to the meeting. He was on the yacht. That's dumb. <laughs> I mean, that's that's you don't know you don't you do not aspire to a political future if if you if this happens and you're not in the room. Yeah, pretty much. That was dumb, especially with this thing going. On. I mean, the, not only that, but there's the other things going on. He doesn't have time to be floating around on his yacht with his top ciders. <sighs> I do have a feeling that you're right, this University of Washington thing, maybe they were going to try and play this up. And this seems like a total, um, you know, FBI setup. very sketchy. I have one clip, or two clips out, actually. Can I play one? Uh, You have one? uh, Is it the same clip I have? I don't know. I've I've got one with scary music. I I think I might just have a straight news report. Well, I have a news report. Play the scary music and (laughs) then we can play mine. So this is a news report from uh, Washington, from local news, where they put the scary music in, which to me is like, oh, this is the cue. (laughs) This this has got to be the guy. Now, our other big story of the night. 
A stolen truck, <laughs> stolen guns, and Molotov cocktails. Tonight, police have arrested a suspect, but now investigators are trying to figure out why he was here and what he might have been planning to do. Have you ever heard a news report with that music? This is like a local news report? Yes, this is KT. Sounds like a package. It, well, thank you. I'm pretty sure it's a package. But then they do it with this music, this kind of electronica suspense music. That man is in police custody, and so is the cache of weapons and body armor from the back of the truck. Cache, a cache of weapons. It's like a disaster of weapons. Tonight we're getting our first look at that vehicle, but police still aren't sure what the suspect might have been planning. Como Force John Humbert has the latest developments for us tonight. The truck wasn't his, but police say the weapons were. Last night, University of Washington police arrested 21-year-old Justin Miles Jasper, a Nevada resident. They first found him near UW Tuesday, sleeping in the truck. Nothing, Nothing seemed back. out of place. There was no need to have any additional contact with the suspect, the subject at that time, so he was released. But Wednesday morning, everything changed. That blue truck came back as stolen from Butte, Montana. <coughs> police went back on the hunt. This is what I find interesting. This guy, uh, they talked to him. He was sleeping in the truck, and then the truck turns out to be stolen. They go back. Oh, the guy's still there. He's still sleeping because he's such a terrorist. He's hanging around in the same spot. We have no idea what his intentions are. Police eventually found Jasper in the Ask truck him. last yeah. night and uncovered a stolen shotgun and Woo! scoped rifle. Scoped rifle. A handful of Molotov cocktails and body armor. Mo Hold on a second. Molotov cocktails. How do you have a handful of Molotov cocktails? Be he's a got big hands. His hands are, he's got the big foam hands. He's, he's got the biggest hands in the world. <laughs> Molotov cocktails, technically, a bottle, of like a like a milk bottle filled with gasoline and a rag stuffed in it. Yeah, no, this is, it, it's, this is sterno things. It's for cooking. This is, he had no Molotov. This is crazy. And the best part, which is not mentioned in this report, I don't know if you ever report about it, is that he had a podcast. Yeah, that was in the written report. I didn't hear it in any of the TV stuff. No, and, and I was like, My oh, favorite. really? Are they going for the podcast? I listened to his podcast, which is called um, uh, Freedom Fighter Radio. Oh, you found it? Yeah, I sent you a note. I sent you a. Oh, I, I, I actually sent you a link to it on How iTunes. Oh, you have a clip? No, I can't. I, I, you don't even. You can't listen to this for five seconds. It's this guy is insane, and his whole podcast. It's one of these Alex Jones wannabes. Like, yeah, yeah, we're gonna do a rally, and we got our. We're gonna have our ARs. We're gonna be cocked and loaded, and one in the chamber. I'm going to get pissed off, people! Pissed off! I'm going to get pissed off, people! <laughs> That's... I'm telling you. you I'm pretty good Alex Jones. Oh, I can do much better. I've told you this! We have the documents. I've written them. The elites are doing this. Okay, again, blow out your voice. Stop. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't it be... That would be messed up if, if I then wound up having a voice like him all the time. Yeah, you blew you blow your voice out trying to do him, and then you become, <laughs> then you become his him. voice. All right, let's have some tangy tangerine. Okay, well, I I, got, I took a different little different tact on this. I I th maybe they were going after podcasts, but I think they de-emphasized that uh, on these reports. Luckily, well, the podcast sucks so bad. I mean, yeah, no, that's no good. It's a detriment to you can't even. It's not fair to call it a podcast. Just the rantings of a lunatic on that. Well, it's, on, it's I have a link to it. Everyone can go check it out on TalkShoe. What's interesting is he has one lined on TalkShoe. You can record. And then you can schedule it for release. It's supposed to come out 
I think uh, on the 11th. So tomorrow, no, uh, the 11th, no, the 9th, uh, Tuesday. Uh, it's supposed to automatically be released, so you can't listen to it yet. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, brother. I know. It's like, but th- but this guy is over. It doesn't matter. This is this no play, no play. He's out of it's out of play. I think so too. But I think there's still an element here that we have to be on the lookout for and see if you can spot what it is. With the uh, I have it in both. In well, you'll you'll catch it in the second clip for sure. Uh, which one am I? Oh, Jasper, Jasper one. one. Yeah, Jasper one. Alrighty. Disturbing details emerge about a man. You got music too. Do you hear that? Yeah, cool. These are local news shows. These are great. Arrested near the University of Washington. Investigators say not only was he armed with firebombs, guns, knives, and a machete, he had maps to three Seattle campuses. Woo-hoo! It sounds very similar to mine, to my scary music. No, <laughs> yours is scarier. Do you mind? Hold on, just let me just let me check. Now our other big story of the night. A sto- no, it's different. The judge called the suspect an better. imminent threat. The prosecutor laid out stunning new evidence. It all unfolded today in a Seattle courtroom as we got our first look at the man behind all the ammo. Come before us, Lindsey Cohen is live in downtown <laughs> Seattle with a very all the ammo? first appearance. Wait a minute. <laughs> Where did all the ammo come from? We haven't heard about I all don't the ammo. but he's behind it. He's behind it. Apparently Justin- he just drove through Cabela's. <laughs> Picked up just thousands of boxes of ammo. Bye, love. Have a good time. We'll see you later. Jasper. Lindsay? Eric, we also got our first glimpse at some court papers where that suspect lists his occupation as a journalist. What we don't have at this point is any sort of motive or explanation. Ah, there. I see what you're coming at. Oh, he's a journalist. Bring Mr. Jasper into court, please. He may have no criminal history, but prosecutors hint Justin Miles Jasper may have been planning something big. Being military grade in quality. In addition to a stockpile of military grade weapons, prosecutors now say the Las Vegas resident was found with anti-government literature. In addition to detailed maps of Seattle area college campuses. He had a no agenda lanyard. Which is anti-government literature. And police at the University of Washington pulled him over in a stolen truck Wednesday night. He had maps, detailed maps, to three college campuses, including University of Washington, the South Seattle Community College, and Seattle University. Ah, that's great. I love the journalist. Yeah, now he's a journalist. Jur- he went from podcaster to journalist. Yeah, that's good. Okay, now there's a couple of memes here we have to always deal with. One is there, we know and we've talked about this and we're at least the two of us, I believe both of us are convinced that they're, they're trying to criminalize an unlicensed journalism. Yes, uh, a uh, long-term want, wanton, wanton publishing, wanton podcasting. Wanton publishing wanton and publishing, all the rest yes. of it. So uh-huh. there's going to be a lot of people. I don't think the two of us would be categorized in this category. I mean, I've been a, written for newspapers. I think I, I get, I'd get through the, the filter. <laughs> Are you saying uh, something about me? You, 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 I think you, you I don't know. I do have Whatever a, the case. I, I have thoughts on what defines someone as a journalist or not. I, I mean, do too. Anyone is a journalist. Mm-hmm. When it, with the founding fathers, they were all journalists. Anyone who writes is a journalist, and it's all it's legal to write and say what you want. That's what the whole deal is. I don't know why they've, they've I mean, why they're trying to crack down on this. But the, but the idea is to make I do. balls. I do. Okay. Because their definition, quote, they, their, them. Uh, those guys a journalist is someone who has an editor 
That is what is going to be the ultimate definition of a journalist. If you are within an organization or your work is submitted to an editor, then you will be deemed a journalist. And, any- and so you're going to have to submit your work to me. Yes, and you will have to approve it. <laughs> right, and, I have to approve and, it, and I have to. In fact, and grade me on it <laughs> when I send the the newsletter out. In fact, on Saturday, I, I approve it. I approve your I work. I send it to you. That's right. To edit it, and I send it back. And usually, I'm like, "Oh man, don't you know how to spell? Use a spell checker." <laughs> That's <cool. laughs> so uh, I use a spell checker beside the point. Yeah, it works great. But you, but you have to. But that. So I think it would. But whatever the case is, that and the other one, which I think is the, is the one they're really working on here, which is a freedom of speech, yes, uh, freedom yes, of the press yeah, issue, yeah, yeah. which is anti-government literature. That's right. Play, <laughs> whatever that is. We play Jasper too, and we we hear some, oh, about some nice. of this. Oh, very nice. What Jasper was going to do at those universities remains to be seen. But police say they found a shotgun, a rifle, six Molotov cocktails, three knives, even body armor. In court, prosecutors held up some of the anti-government literature that was also found. The Syrian revolution is being hijacked by Western vultures. The other one, the Brazilian revolution, is in play. Pay attention. Jasper's arrest on the 4th of July huh. caught the attention of students at UW. Oh, hold so- on a second. Was it- play the rest. Yeah. He read the his, this is anti-government literature. It's it, that the, it's talking about the Brazilian government. Yeah, he says the, the Syrian the Syrian revolution is being hijacked by western powers and the Brazilian revolution is not being emphasized something or other. How, how is this? <laughs> Anti-government. Even close to being anti-government. Maybe it's about some other government, but this is not anti-government literature. No, these, this is very, very dangerous. This news report is more dangerous than this guy, obviously. This is the kind no, of stuff this, that's... This news report is disgusting. Yeah, it's very... And, and clearly, we have some packaged things being sent around with... With music all queued up to make it all, you know, to emphasize it. We know that this happens all the time, that these news packages are sent out. And the the local news loves it. They love getting it because they don't have to send a guy out, just do a voiceover. Didn't sound like they had much more than that. They had pool video. Um, Yeah, this is dangerous. This This is very dangerous stuff. But we're getting close, John. We are now officially uh, within target range. When they start talking about podcasters being journalists and then journalists having anti-government material how about our show notes the show notes for the no agenda show are anti-government i I was a prosecutor with you know a a grudge yeah uh, or i just had you targeted let's say targeted yeah i could go through that and i could make a case easily but i could do that with the new york times for that matter and this is this is what this no oh man this is exactly the conversation that that people need to understand when it comes to you know allowing some mediocre encroachment on your liberty in turn for some safety. This is exactly the problem, the interpretation. I was telling someone the other day. Uh, I was involved my the first real lawsuit I was involved in with many more to follow was uh, Viacom versus me about the mtv.com domain name. And this is now 1993 and I went through the process of discovery. And with discovery, you pretty much have to show everything that the other side asked for. And in th- those days, it was uh, email. But email, you know, we didn't have 
uh, uh, you know, nice little, uh, didn't have Gmail or any of this. You know, you had your email on a server that you typically had in your own office. We didn't have, you know, services that hosted mail servers. And I had to take printouts of email, yes, printouts, reams of paper, uh, and backups on floppies, which were three and a half inch hard floppies, not quite the, the floppy floppies. And I had to take them over and I had to walk through it all with the, uh, with the other attorneys. And when this is used in court, as I wrote something off the cuff, like, you know, ah, fuck those guys at MTV. B- but about, you know, a video they were playing and I wrote that to someone else that was then used in court. Yeah. And you hear the other lawyer use this, you know, clearly Mr. Curry had a disdain for the, and, and, and you sit there, you go like, holy crap, I'm guilty. I don't know, what did I do? <laughs> that's how, that's how it comes across it, without context, without the, com- that's why communications that are private have to be c- private. Um, because if I say this show, John knows, I'm, you all know I'm talking about no agenda show. But to someone who just reads that sentence in a transcript has no idea what I, they think. Oh, he was talking about that guy's show. It's the context that 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 can then be used to put anyone in jail, including, as you point out, John, and the, the entire staff, a uh, newsroom with the New York Times. If you have no context, yeah. All and right, that's it. Good night. It, We're done. They do it at the drop of a hat. <laughs> if it was, if it wasn't the, but. But virtue of the fact that we are so entertaining yes. to many of our government yeah. agencies, yes, and they, we could we would have been <laughs> gone long ago. They're like, I'm sure the note comes by from time to time. It's time to pick those guys up, and it was like, oh no, please, oh, those guys are hilarious. <laughs> we can't. What are we gonna do two ice a week? What am I gonna do on my commute? Have you ever driven in to the to D.C.? <laughs> Come on, we can't pick those guys up. <laughs> Uh, but clearly something's coming. Yeah, and it has to do with the uh, anti-government literature. I mean, what, <laughs> anti-government I mean, literature. I have like a, a fairly decent collection, for example. Of anti-government literature. No, yeah, I have yes, a collection of Lenin. The anti-government literature. Karl Marx's stuff. In fact, I'm reading Karl Marx's History of the Civil War as we speak. Not as you, we speak. You, but you, you, you. Commie, anti-government and, bastard. And it, would be, it could be easily construed if it was taken completely out of context. Yes. That I was a communist. When I'm as Absolutely. far from a communist as you can get. Absolutely. And that's the number one thing with books. I have uh, Mein Kampf here. <laughs> well, I've always suspected that. Oh, please. Come on. Actually, I have Mein Kampf and I have another you have one. It. I have Mussolini's novel. Of course you have Mein Kampf. Yeah, of course. It's somewhere. I don't even know where it oh, is. Oh, important but, information. But I have Mussolini's novel, which has got to say that must be crazy. No, <laughs> yeah. Mistress. Well, I can't remember the name of it. It's really a piece of crap. I've but got so I think it's very collectible. Information, man. New shit has come to light. You're not going to believe this. The book that you turned everyone on to in the Garden of the Beasts. Yeah. Yeah. Now I and I and, I, and so there's, there's only two possible reasons this is happening. A, which I want to believe, we are. Just so ahead of the curve. Are you? Did you just give me? Whoa, what was that? Not me. Wow, that was me. Never had that happen before on the Windows box. Um, either you are just so ahead of the curve, which I think is pretty much where we always are on this show, or, and I'd hate to think this, you are an agent of change throwing propaganda on us. Yeah, yeah. 
That seems unlikely based on my income. Tom ha- <laughs> Tom Hanks will be releasing the movie version of In the Garden of Beasts in 2014. Well, that'll be great. How about that? Yeah. Is that insane that we've been talking about this? And he will play the... Um, the ambassador. He'll play the ambassador, and Natalie Portman uh, will be... This is going to be a huge movie. Oh, Natalie Portman's going to be the dim-witted uh, <laughs> daughter? Yeah. <laughs> it says it says rumored, but uh, I'm. Uh, she'd be perfect. For I think she'd she be good. All in on the Nazis. Yeah. And she's screwing the head of the Gestapo. Yeah, gotta, and she's smoking it's a great hot. Story. Yeah, Tom. Hanks. So now we have to think, Tom Hanks. Him doing this is he? What's the spin he's gonna? I mean, it's hard to put any spin on this book. Although, you know, I'm, I looked at the budget. Who's, who's producing and directing? He is. It's his touchstone. It's his. It's his. Oh, he's gonna. It's, oh, he's going to yeah. be directing. No. Yes. Oh no, I'm sorry. Uh, director uh, Michelle Havana Vickas. Let me see what Michelle Havana Vickas has done. Uh, he's done ooh some spy movies. OSS. One seven. This guy's. What is it, the artist? Two thousand eleven. Which I. Oh, he directed the artist. Oh, hello. You know the artist, right? I know the artist. Yeah, the the silent movie that won the best Oscar. So that's a great director. Well, yeah, but now he's got voices. <laughs> is he going to do it as a silent? It's going to be a silent movie. It's going to be a great movie. No talking. Just a bunch of Nazis all over Natalie Portman. Um, uh, well, after reading the book, I'm going to be interested in see how they handle it as a yeah. screenplay because there's a Play- lot of stuff in there that's yeah. really weird. Playtone Productions, not Touchstone. Playtone Productions, that's Hanks' movie company. Budget, $50 million. That's small. That's a small book. Of course, he Yeah, made- but it's not an action adventure. That's actually for just a straight drama. That's That seems reasonable. No, that's not true. Um, if, it, it depends on the stars. Most of the money that you see in these budgets, Frank Karachi, my friend who just did the, he does the Kevin James movies, which are not action movies, but he had Kevin James, uh, Salma Hayek, he had uh, Henry Winkler. Uh, that's a hundred and seventy million dollar movie, and I said, you know, what did you spend it on? Hookers? And he's like, yeah, they're called actors. Because every one of these actors these days are getting twenty, twenty five million dollars. It's crazy. Yeah, but if you're doing it, maybe this is a small, this is not the regular production company that Hanks works for. It sounds to me that he's going to take just a piece of the action, run it out as an indie, and it's not going to cost that much. Well, I that's, think it's a fine budget. Uh, he's probably not taking any money. And, yeah. and, this prob- and this budget probably does not include anything regarding marketing. And Playtone is his own production company. Yeah, he's just so, going to go for the yeah. uh, small, small. Yeah. But, but it, it could. It, you know, he's been known to do some kind of propagandistic stuff. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. So is, is he going to turn this around and turn it into the Nazis were good? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> How's he going to work that one out? But, but, and, and how do you choose this? The only reason you brought this book up is to say, hold on a second. Look at exactly where we are. This is the only reason to read this book now is to say, Here's history. Look at what happened. The run-up to the, to the Hitler regime, to the killing of anyone not blue-eyed and blonde, to the overrun of Europe, to the, the second greatest world war. 
The only reason to read that now is to avoid the same trappings which were clearly headed right towards. Do you think Tom Hanks is the guy to bring this message in this movie? Or is he trying to thwart this message and make it into a Nazi movie? You know what I mean? Well, like, like, don't, to, like, don't go don't read the, the book. Message, I, think the mess, I think you're right. I think the message of this book at, at, at base level is that the world back then is maybe what we're going through now, which is we talk about this commonly on the show, that are we in the 30s, in 1930s Germany? It was, was it like that when you're around the dinner table, what was going on in Germany? They weren't all freaked out because Hitler was running things. They were all happy. People were acting normal. They agreed with everything. You know, in fact, like the story in the, in the book, which the, with the dim-witted daughter, Who's screwing everybody? She just thinks that Nazism is fantastic, right? And, right. And it, the famous uh, uh, what's Kaltenborn, uh, who was a radio uh, commentator. We've I don't know if we played a clip of him before, but we it, I can get let one. let me give you an alternative scenario. And by the way, Mr. Well, Silicon, I'm just saying that that's what's in the book. I don't know what Hanks is going to do. Well, the alternative scenario, Mr. Silicon in the chat room who said, oh, my God, who cares? Move on. You're going to be the first one in the oven. OK, you're the on the train in the oven. Hey, first. Hey, get back to the story. Don't okay. don't be giving us chat room stuff. <laughs> the the maybe it went down like this. Like, oh, my God. And these no agenda guys are talking about this book. Oh. We've got to stop people from reading the book. Hanks, Hanks. Hold on. Hey, hey. hey. He's, he's not Clooney. <laughs> well, he's Hollywood establishment. Yeah, no, 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 that's like... When you need a distraction from the legal action, call Hollywood. Hey, Hanks, man, listen, could you make this movie about, you know, some jackboot guys banging Natalie Portman or something? Just tell people shouldn't read the book. Okay. Well, that's so... That's it, not, that's, that's not, imp you know, it's not unthinkable. No, and the people that always complain about this when they see the movie and they've read the book, they go, "Oh, it's nothing like the book." Exactly. But nobody exactly. reads the book Ex after exactly. The exactly. Exactly. Here's what's worse about that kind of thing. If you think about it, here's the psychology. Hanks puts a dynamite movie, not dynamite Nazi movie, together with yeah. Portman getting screwed yeah. by these jackbooted <laughs> yeah. thugs, and she's and, loving it. <laughs> and, and and the people come out and say, "There's nothing like the book." I said, "Well, then I don't want to read the book. This movie was great." <laughs> they win either way, whether the movie's a dog or not. That's true. Yeah. Well, the important thing that we, the takeaway from this is uh, Tom Hanks is going to wind up giving you information giving the world information that no matter how it turns out, people will not read this book. And he's getting, he has a $50 million budget for it. We, on the other hand, will produce the best podcast in the universe, and we have zero budget. Well, not true. We have producers who care about what we're putting on the air. And I think we should thank our executive producers. Very similar to when this movie comes out, you'll see people up there, uh, you know, John F. Carey, you know, they have all the all the people that helped out on the movie. We'll have some, you know, some uh, Holocaust experts, but then we'll have the money people. Harvey Weinstein. You know, these are the people that are going to be financing the movie. And they'll say executive producer, Harvey Weinstein. Associate executive producer, Harvey Weinstein's kid brother. All the, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. I don't think he's yeah. married, actually. Uh, and so we have our uh, our version of that. Um and these are the people that keep the show on the air by enabling us to do the show. I, am I talking long enough for you to bring up the spreadsheet? Well, you know, here's the problem. <laughs> so I got a spreadsheet error. Oh. 
Really? Excel's unopened, able to open the file by repairing or removing the unreadable content. And it gives a bunch of unreadable parts. So all I do is all I have on mine is column B and a list of numbers. Do you have a spreadsheet that I you do. can actually read from? Yeah, I do. I do. I, I don't I, know what's wrong with mine. I read in... And uh, I also wish, I want to mention this to Eric, but I want to mention it to everybody. If you're running newer versions of any of these prod, any of these Windows products, don't send out the X version. Like for the spreadsheet, send out an XLS. If you've got a doc file, people do this all the time. They send out the doc X. <laughs> now, only people with the newest versions of these programs can read doc X. Right. May, may I, may I, say- I can read as XLS X on this machine, by the way, but yeah. it, for some reason it's not coming in. Okay. Can, I, get- can, I, can I give you some data points? Yes. Uh, number one, uh, you can open the X versions. I use OpenOffice, and it opens all X versions of everything. Uh, beautifully. When Eric sent the spreadsheet this morning, it said in the email, it said, I have stopped using Windows 8. I have moved to Linux. There could be errors in the spreadsheet. Uh, I opened the spreadsheet on OpenOffice on the Mac, no problems. Can you can you try opening it in OpenOffice? And I encourage and I and I'm I encourage Eric not to use uh, Microsoft products. So I'm I'm all for it, and it opened fine and works perfectly in Open Office. So I don't understand why it's an think X. It would work in Microsoft because it's supposed to be compatible. No, of course it won't. Microsoft is just not compatible. They, it's their their job. And you are you running eight? I'm running seven. Mm. You want to just try Open Office? I don't know that I have open office on this on this uh, Windows machine oh. because I try to keep stuff off this machine because it's a podcasting machine. Let me see. Really? <laughs> does it have <laughs> Does it have a little sticker? Yes, it does. <laughs> podcasting machine only. Hands off. Um well soon you will have the uh, ultimate podcast device and uh, yeah, you will only need the 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 computer for spreadsheets. Excel was able to open the file by repairing or removing the unreadable content. Yeah, go ahead. Just say yeah. It doesn't still check view listing repairs. Do you mind if I do you mind if I just read the uh You're gonna have to because yeah. I can't. Okay, why don't you find a Sir Eric's note of Minnesota nuts? Apparently he sent you an email? Uh or a note. Yeah, I did. Okay. I'll start though with uh Sir uh, David R. Foley, Black Baron of Silicon Valley, who comes in with a very apropos $777.33. <laughs> he knows how to send us a message, that's for sure. And he's from uh, Los Gatos, California. In the morning, Adam and John, please keep that Noah Gender Karma coming my way as my stock doubled after your last dose. So we are happy to uh, tell uh, the Baron of Silicon Valley to bend over, because here comes another dose of karma. You've got karma. That is uh, fantastic as a, uh, uh, a measure of support for the program. Then we have Sir Eric of Minnesota Nuts, who co- I, I believe this was meant for... I, I, I'm thinking it has July to, the 4th. He wanted to get it in, but right. it just showed up at the post office box on Saturday. Five. So he does 52774. Uh, but I'll, I'm going to give him a 528 club member um, yeah, because if you round it up, it's 528. And you have a note from him? Yeah. He says, here's some money. <laughs> right. That's it? And, oh, by the way, I want to mention this. He, he's actually somewhat famous in, his, in where, he, where he is from. Oh? Uh, but what he did was he's, it's a very cute little letter, and it's got a seal. He used the No Agenda 
Oh, our sealing, our sealing wax. Seal the, the envelope. And then inside, in his little note, he's got the seal again. Oh, really? That's cool. <laughs> he's using that wax up. <laughs> I, I think I use my wax up pretty quick. I, I, I did that for a while. Like, yeah, I'm going to put my signet ring in there. Ah, perfect. Sir Mark Dytham of Tokyo. Of course, we have uh, Sir Mark and Dame Astrid, who have been longtime supporters of the show. Both of them are extremely famous in, uh, in, in Japan. And uh, Sir Mark says, what can we say? You are already the only news source we listen to. We just cannot bear to listen to anything else. I've been doing my sums. He's British. It looks like I can proudly call myself Baron of Tokyo. The territory will happily be the slave under the Viscountess Astrid of Tokyo. Uh, needless to say, I need to upgrade quickly to, to Viscount, I'm sorry, Viscount, so I can get by and we'll start by donating $333.33 today. I was in Beijing Friday night. Uh, did you see the note with the, uh, with the bottle? I did see the note with the bottle, yes. I, I was thinking of slipping this bottle of Chateau Latour 1981 into a bag for John to auction off. However, it was a six-liter bottle. <laughs> this thing was beautiful, and it, and it was open. The cork was off, and people were drinking it. Yeah, well, six-liter bottle is a uh, imperial. Right. That's got to be a $8,000 bottle of wine. It was an 81 Latour? Yeah, more? Uh, no, it's a six liter of 81 of the tours, probably, probably about a thousand dollars a liter. He says we ended up, dr okay, so six thousand, big deal. <laughs> we, it all we, adds up. He says we ended up drinking it. The whole, the whole bottle? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fine. That's our, that's our audience. I love it. You can just see Sir Mark. Ho, ho, ho. Uh, hello, Damien Rothschild. <laughs> Apparently, he's the Baron of Tokyo. Welcome, now. welcome to Tokyo, which I own. Have you said hello to Viscountess Dame Astrid? If you don't, she will clap you in irons. Love you now guys. One of these days, I love you guys. We'll make sure we uh, we attach the proper title to you, Baron of Tokyo. That's great. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking that if Eric, uh, which he just did, he sent me the XLS file. Yeah. Because with these open office systems, all these other ones, they, I, I think that perfect works fine. What'd you because do? Because the, the Microsoft has really screwed with things with this X thing. Yeah. Because they did it with Doc X, which I still moan and groan about. Okay, so he's got the, uh, I got the thing now. You're, you're all good. Well, not really, because <laughs> I have David Foley at the top, H.W. Smith, and Dame Francine Hardaway. He sent me last week's or no, that's, last that's shows. No, that's not the right one. That's not yeah, the right one. Yeah, he sent 526, Eric. That's not what That's okay. I'll, I will continue Keep while we work Keep things going. out. Uh, John Reichert, I think it is, R-I-C-H-E-R-T, uh, from New Orleans. Uh, this is also a 33333 donation. Uh, this should put me over night level. Could use some heartbreak karma. Aw, are there any New Orleans area female listeners out there looking for love from a night? Jesus, that's sad, he adds to his note. Well, uh, John, we will be knighting you today, and I would just have to use my regular line, which is send pictures. We'll see if we can uh, hook you up there in, uh, in New Orleans. And uh, a little bit of heartbreak karma for you. You've got karma. Aw. 
So Dr. Sharkey is back once again. He is really on a roll. And in fact, today's donation of 33333 should bring him up to a baron. He'd like to be Baron Sir Dr. Sharkey, protector of the Great Smoky Mountains. Oh, cool. I think that's uh, possible. That's fine. And he wants... You know why uh, the Smoky Mountains are smoky? Um, No. There's so many pine trees in the area, and it gets a, it gets a kind of a hot humidity. Mm-hmm. That smoke of the Great Smoky Mountain is all pollution oh. from evaporating pine tar uh, liquids, uh, terpenes mostly, that get into this, make this mess. <laughs> it I looks like smoke. It's actually smog. It should oh. be called the Great Smoggy the Mountains. Great, well, he shall be the baron of the great, protector of the Great Smoggy Mountains. And he wants, uh, what does he want here? He wants uh, magic number L-G-Y-I-T-M karma. Okay. 33, that's a magic number. Oh, yeah. It is. It's the magic number. Yay! In the morning. You've got karma. There you go. Bubba Mustafa, or Mustafa, from Clayton, North Carolina. Uh, Douchebag that other guy. Uh, who are we supposed to be douchebagging? <laughs> I'll do it, sure. Douchebag. Yeah. I would have donated more, but I had to buy some magic beans <laughs> from uh, that Alex James from Infant Wars. <laughs> Hear the sonic boom from a hellfire and duck. Really? A missile traveling faster than sound will arrive after the sound of its sonic boom arrives. Oh, Bogut of Clip, best podcast in the universe. Oh, of course. He's talking about the drone operator who's, who was on NBC with that interview. And he's saying this is total bogativeness because if, you, if, if the guy hears the sonic boom, then the hellfire is already up his butt. You know, now that you mentioned right? it, we should have caught that. We, oh, there are so many things we, we miss that people point out. I, I have yeah, a, no, that's, that was a, <laughs> I would say that that's a, that's a mea culpa error on our part. That we is would a big know because yeah. it's 600-something miles an hour. The boom's going to arrive long yeah. after the thing hits. Yeah, uh, that's that's really dumb that we missed that one. Yeah, I would <sighs> feel that, bad now. Isn't that annoying when that happens? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I got I got another correction we have to talk about. We'll do that in a second. First, we, and uh, so Bubba will be uh, an associate executive producer. Michael Knight. Uh, and Bubba came in with 250. Thank you very much. Uh, Bubba and uh, Michael Knight from Katy, Texas, uh, also 250. Long-time boner, first-time donor. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And since you're in the first time, I want to give you a little bit of karma for that. Always nice to see the, new, got the newbies. Karma. John Sextro, St. Peter's, Missouri, 222, with no note that I have. Keith Brown, another spring Texas. With uh, two hundred dollars, will uh, will come out to be a um, associate executive producer, and oh, there she is, Dame Astrid, will be associate executive producer. Dear John and Adam, Dame Astrid says your analyses are top notch lately, lately, and getting better by the day. Over the years, I've become such a no agenda bot that I have to remind myself to remain critical. If all my calculations are right, please find accounting below. This should make me Viscountess of Tokyo, and I shall endeavor to bring the city's giant voice system under my jurisdiction to allow for the best podcast in the universe to be broadcast when the need arises to awaken the slaves. Thank you, and keep it coming. I I have to say, I really love these two. Yeah, they're the best. Uh, it's um, Yeah, it's good to have them on our side. Oh. Miss Mickey is doing everything in her power to get us over to Tokyo. 
Oh, you should be able to manage that. Well, I said, you know, if you have, a, if you can get a gallery to show, you know, then yeah, then we'll go over. I mean, we don't have like just money to go cal- gallivanting over to Tokyo. Over there, yeah. Tokyo's an expensive operation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's other parts of Japan, which are nicer too. Tokyo's yeah. not the. I don't like Tokyo at all. I think it's too crowded. It's too. Uh, it's too big. Right. Well, I've, n- I've never been. Terrible. I've never been, so it's kind of important. Oh. I have to go see it. You know, I, I hate have to. it. And uh, Mickey lived in Nagasaki for five years, so she wants to show me Nagasaki, which sounds like it's kind of a dynamite place. Well, uh, Kyoto and Sapporo are the places that most Americans like. That's where the beer comes from? Maybe. <laughs> it's named after it. All right, we want to thank all these people for generously um, helping us on show 528. Uh, we want to remind people to go to Dvorak.org slash N-A, channeldevorak.com slash N-A, noagendashow.com, and also noagendanation.com. There's a donate button there. You can click on it and uh, give us some uh, some attention for show uh, 529 coming out next Thursday. And we're going to be early. I want to remind people we're going to be early hour. Uh, oh, that's right, on Thursday, yes. On uh, next Thursday. So people, if they want to listen live. Uh, they might want to uh, change their So we will be at 8 a.m. Uh, uh, Gitmo Nation West time. Uh, that will be 5 p.m. Gitmo Nation East time, I think, in the U.K. No, no, no. In the U.K.? Yeah. Oh, oh U.K., yeah. yeah. That's Gitmo Nation East, yeah. Right, right. I would keep thinking. Yeah. I have no idea. I'm just going to wait until you call me. I'm just going to get up real at 5 and just wait. I have no idea what time that is now. It's you. You're, uh, what's, <laughs> what time is it there now? Thanks. I think I get it. I'm just kidding you. Dvorak.org slash N-A. There you go. Do you hear he changed it now? Now I can remember it. Okay. Three, three, nine. I, it was breaking up. I couldn't El hear it. El Cerrito, nine, four, five, three, zero. That's it. <laughs> it works. Yes, success. Okay. Of course, we need you to do this. Propagate our formula. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. I want to make quick mention of the website, which is now part of the No Agenda News Network, noagendanewsnetwork.com, where anyone can add an RSS feed. Uh, so you can, can it's you could add all of your Google Reader feeds for all I care. They're probably good. Thirty three is the magic number. dot com, uh, where uh, this currently has one hundred and sixty six articles. All articles that mention the number thirty three are tracked on this website as a part of the. <laughs> that's cool. Little Masonic symbol here. It's kind of funny. <laughs> This is an interesting website one of our producers put together. I like it. I, I think it's overdue. <laughs> right? Yeah, let's absolutely. Ha- let's have a quick little rundown. McDowell clinches French Open title, the 33-year-old. More time for missing women suspects. Interview 33-year-old man. UKIP is not Tory splinter group, 33%. It's interesting. Yeah, it's, a, it's an idea long, long overdue. Very nice. Yeah. So there's a couple of things going on just kind of on the side here. Um, I, I have a clip that I want to play because I'm going to be some reference to it later. But I just, you know, the ever since that guy, that the blimey character, Benny, that was the NSA whistleblower from some time ago. This is the Stellar Winds guy? Is Benny, B-I-N-N-E-Y, that yeah. guy, this NSA? Yeah, uh, no, yeah. he has something else. I th- 
Wasn't he the the guy who ratted on the stellar wind? Make me look it up. Oh, don't worry about it. it, it no one cares. Doesn't well, anyway. Benny, we had <laughs> Benny matter. on. Uh, he gave. He's going around giving speeches, and he talks about. Uh, he turned whistleblower on the 2001. It was something to do with oh, it, it, illegal spying on the public. Same thing yes. is going on now. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, these guys know what the law is, and they see it being broken, and they blow the whistle, and then they get, you know, thrown in jail by the FBI. I want to play. This is a long clip, but this is a rundown because here in the U.S., if people haven't been following this worldwide, uh, a very notorious criminal named Whitey Bulger was uh, arrested about a year or so ago in uh, he, actually, after he went on the run he was running most of the mob action in uh uh Boston and he's the main, he's the character that was played by Jack Nicholson in the movie Departed and he was involved with the FBI as a supposedly an informant which he denies but he was an informant an FBI uh, two FBI guys were indicted uh for uh being corrupt but it seems to me to be deeper than that when it comes to the fbi and, and the reason i'm bringing this up is because it's benny who says the one mistake he made as a whistleblower was talking to the fbi because essentially they railroaded him into something that ended up him being indicted for for espionage or whatever but this this fbi story i think really uh the FBI needs to be called out when this reporter discusses the operation, especially the Boston group like this. They should be ashamed of themselves. Um, Whitey Bulger are from the wrong side of the tracks. They're criminals themselves. Uh, there was a corrupt FBI agent named John Morris who just spent a few days on the stand. And these are nefarious people, and uh, particularly the hitman John Moderano, who was up there for several days. I described in one of my columns that a a after the first two days of his testimony, we were hit by punishing rains. Uh, he is such a venal, venal and vile man who's admitted to murdering 20 people that it was almost as if there was a higher power that needed to wash us of our having to listen to this guy. But I think the most powerful testimony over the last two weeks have come from ordinary people. Because there was a myth that the government, particularly the FBI and the Justice Department, wanted you to accept when it came to Whitey Bulger, is that he only killed other criminals. Well, that died on the waterfront of South Boston with a man named Michael Donahue in 1982. And his family has been in court every day for the last few weeks. And yesterday, John Morris, that corrupt FBI agent who helped get Michael Dunahue murdered, turned to the family and apologized to them. Now, that murder happened 31 years ago. And this is the first time anyone remotely connected to this government has apologized to the Dunahue family. As Pat Dunahue, Michael's widow, who raised three boys on her own after her husband was murdered with FBI complicity. As she said to me, it's a little late for an apology. But, um, and the, the, but if you look at the Dunahue family, the way they have been dragged through the mud by their own government, uh, the, the idea that the FBI got their, their husband and their father killed is one thing, but the Justice Department refused to apologize to them, refused to settle with them, dragged mm. them through nine years of litigation. And so to see that apology in the court was one of the most emotional moments, and it really had nothing to do with testimony. It really wasn't evidence. It was just a sign of emotion and humanity in, in a place where that has been sorely lacking. Now, you're going to have to explain this to me because I, I kind of lost the plot on it. Well, uh, the, the FBI was in bed with Bulger is the problem. Okay. 
And they could, because Bolger had convinced them, and the movie pretty much discusses most of this. Uh, they, he'd convinced the FBI that he can get him bigger fish by convincing them that he was not a big fish, mm-hmm. but he was a great, going to be a great informant for them, and that's what he did. Right. So he got, and what he managed to do is use the FBI to get rid of his enemy. This is not dissimilar from what's going on with the Sinaloa cartel, by the way, right, right now as right. we speak. We're in bed with the Sinaloa cartel thinking we got some th- something going on. We got it over them. But anyway, Bolger was an extremely intelligent character using the FBI. And he managed to use the FBI. This guy that was murdered, this citizen, was going to be like a – I forget what his basis for, for Bolger wanting him dead. But the FBI essentially set it up. And then once it was discovered – some years back that the FBI was behind the uh, murder of this in- innocent civilian, the uh, family went to get some compensation, and the, and the government went after them. <laughs> that sounds like America. And it was it's just really a disgusting story that people should look into. And then the FBI's never explained it. The Justice Department's never, like... He's like the reporter says they never even have yet to apologize. The corrupt FBI guy apologized on the stand... Uh, because I guess he was getting badgered by the prosecution. But whatever the case, uh, it, it's just a really a sad point that, that this sort of thing takes place. And I think it's going on now with the uh, with the Sinaloa cartel. We have this, this sense, there's a bunch of these law enforcement types who have the sense that they're smarter than the bad guys uh, because the bad guys are undereducated or whatever. But in most cases, they're not. Mm. And uh, that it's that kind of thing hubris that is that's problematic i would also say that most of the recruiting for um for the uh, fbi and the cia and many of the uh, the intelligence agencies are done at some of the uh, most prestigious universities in the country and a lot of these students are hyped up i'm sure you've heard the nsa recruiters going into uh universities trying <laughs> trying to get kids uh, to to buy into their bull crap and they weren't having it. Did you hear any of this? No. Oh, jeez. Uh, everyone's heard this. I can't believe... I would have clipped it if I didn't know you hadn't heard it. Well, I don't know that I haven't heard it, but if you had yeah, a clip, well, I might... No, I don't have a clip, but the, the oh. kids are basically... You know, they're saying, well, wait a minute, you're asking us to spy on Americans. Like, well, no, no, we're not really. <laughs> they're, just like, they're just hitting, but it's really, it's, it's beautiful to listen to. Uh, but I, uh, my point being that these recruiters come in, they make you feel great, they make you, this is, um, you know, what's the, the, the Matt Damon movie um, uh, that, that, that he wrote that he won the awards for? Uh, uh, the Boring Conspiracy? No, the first one that he did, <laughs> you know, Matt and uh, and and, and Matt Ben, and buddy. Matt and Ben, yeah, uh, yeah, I can't remember the name. Yeah, that one where they also he's genius. He's a he's a genius, right, a genius. And, they try, and you know, they, they everyone's blowing him to get him to work for him. This is what happens, and so the hubris is built into the process. Like, oh yeah, I'm pretty fucking, I'm good. I should be working. I should have clearance. Get a badge. You get some funky. You make it like, to shoot somebody. Yeah, you get like all kinds of passes, challenge coins. Hey, right. get a challenge. I, I got to get that. The challenge coin to own now. By the way, did you get and anybody out there has one or can get one? Did you get the NSA challenge coin? Yeah, I did get that challenge because I was contacted. Thank the anonymous person who sent it to me by the NSA. <laughs> did it say W A W Y? On the note, it's the same coin you have. But did I? Apparently, you got a note that said W A W Y. Okay. Did you get a note that said that? Not that I remember. Oh, hmm, interesting. 
I'd have to go get the coin. Okay. Anyway. Which stands uh, for we are watching you. I'd have to go get the coin. It's downstairs. <laughs> so I, it's funny, though. Yeah. Uh, hilarious. Something else, but it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. That you can get that coin on eBay for $14.95. So. Um, wow. Thanks. Our NSA contact I just want. dried up. Yeah, the coin I want is what's the name of the new guy? Is it Secretary of Defense? What's his name? Uh, Helger Hold Holgren. Oh. Uh, um, yeah, it's uh, uh, Dresden. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, Dumbo. I know. I know who you mean. Yeah, I know who you mean. The the the, the Secretary of Defense. Yeah. Yeah. You can't even get his name by typing it into Wikipedia. Well, what do you mean? Of course you can. No, I mean you, Chuck Hagel. That's what I said, Hagel. Uh, well, who's the guy that's the head of the CIA then? Well, what I, either the CIA guy, the new CIA, or Hagel. I think it's Hagel. They have their own challenge coin. Yeah. It's not as though, it's like the kind of the one you have with the signed, some... Yeah, I, I, yeah. signature, but this one it doesn't even say that what they're doing. It's just their coin. I think we should have individual coins. A Adam Curry challenge coin. Yeah. Okay. That's we need more. We need more annoying things to have to send through the mail. This is a yeah, great idea. I can do it. We're not going to do it anyway. So no. just just throw. I throw the stuff out. You should. Uh, we got an email from some guy. Do you have the email? The guy who says that he used to work for Alec, and he believes. Yes, yes I yeah. did. Um, and I found this to be very interesting. So Alec stands for uh, what is it? The abbreviation of it's the it's American Legislature Exchange something, right? And know, and essentially, go again. They're a bill mill. Essentially, what they do it's a bill mill is Good they one. they yeah is they sit around and they and they wait for American an Legislative Exchange Council, right? They sit around and they wait for an opportunity where they think they can. Um, deliver the goods to their members, which are essentially large corporations, and then they draft legislation, and through their donations and their systems and through lobbying, uh, they get the legislation uh, entered, enacted, or you know sometimes passed, enacted, etc. State by state. State by state. And, and he sent a note and said, look, I used to work for Alec, and I think that you're onto something here with this abortion legislation it being the same in all these different states, including... Uh, so Texas and North Carolina, not only is the legislation eerily similar when it comes to the um, the, the level of sophistication the clinics will have to have, uh, but it was also introduced in a stealthy way here in Texas in a special session, which is you know, weird, certainly for something as controversial as this. And in North Carolina, it was attached to some bill that was about banning Sharia law. Uh, so it's kind of being introduced stealthily. And I went and looked, and lo and behold, this legislation called the oh man, I got it here. It's something like the 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 right the something about the clinics um, is was uh, written for Republicans to introduce. And and you know, you know my theory is yeah because somehow the next step is to figure out how how to use public funds for it to give to the insurance companies or to Medicaid, and it'll be a bonanza. And your $500 abortion will go to 5000 uh, and you can uh, just count out the money. It's going to be huge. It's about the money. So it turns out, I have a clip. It turns out that it's Alec pre, is also pre, behind pre, I'm all sorry. kinds of... Preborn Pain Act, that's what it's called. The, pre, the pre, Preborn Pain Act. 
<laughs> Alec is behind all the stuff that you know where you say, "Oh, you can't take photos." You, they're the anti. They're the ones that, that are working on legislation, so you can't take photos of wrongdoing, especially in the in the uh, food business. Oh, right. Well, you can't take pictures of uh, of cows being uh, led to slaughter and the chicken houses. That kind of legislation. Yeah. Well, here we, let me play two clips, and then I'll play the Alec clip. Okay. Just kind of. Yes, exactly. Play first. Start with the Amy Myers story. Okay, does it need a lead-in? No, it's just a woman that was arrested for taking photos, and then luckily a bunch of social media uh, got her out of prison or out of, a, out of a jam. I think a example of this, of how toxic sunshine is to this industry and to these bills is the first prosecution which happened in Utah. This was the first prosecution under any of this legislation. A woman named Amy Meyer was uh, charged for filming a slaughterhouse from the public easement. She went to this place because she knew abuse was happening. She heard that um, cows were being pushed around by bulldozers, much like that situation that led to the largest meat recall in U.S. history. So she had a reasonable uh, interest in seeing what was happening. I have her video. I'll be putting up in the next couple of days on my site. But it shows, you know, heavy equipment using, uh, moving these sick animals. And she was charged under this legislation. And so I wrote an article about it. I put it up on my own website. And within 24 hours, it was getting hundreds of thousands of views. Went up on Reddit and brought the site down because it was getting several hundred unique visitors a second for several hours. So within 24 hours, after this had just made the rounds everywhere, I know that word viral doesn't mean a whole lot anymore, but I think this legitimately went viral pretty fast. The prosecutor was like, well, we're going to drop all the charges. So think about what that reflects. I mean, this is criminal activity up until the point people know what's going on and get pissed off about it. And then it's, oh, no, 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 no. We didn't mean to do that. Amy Myers not going to be prosecuted. Okay. So what, what this is, is it tells me is that these guys are putting laws on the books just to screw with people. But if, if there's an, if enough people find out about it, there's such an outrage that these guys back off real quick, which means these are really – Really sketchy laws that shouldn't even be on the books, and somehow somebody rammed them through. Play this other one, which is no photos of farmers. Okay. Hold on. It's stuck here a moment. Oh, sorry. Here we go. Behind closed doors. So the response to these damning investigations by industry has not been to change animal welfare standards or to change the most abusive practices. It's been to outlaw the people who are exposing them. So last year, there were 10 bill, bills introduced that specifically criminalize undercover investigations of factory farms and slaughterhouses. They include language, which I'll talk about in a moment, a moment about banning phot uh, photography, banning videotape, and enhanced criminal penalties for that. This actually passed in several states, in Iowa, Utah, and Missouri, which are green on this map here. Yeah, we've talked about that a couple times. All right, so now play now, the Alex just, clip. Have you all heard of Alec, the American Legislative Exchange Council? It's kind of become a, a well-known group, especially in um, conferences like this. Alec, in 2003, drafted a piece of model legislation called the Animal and Ecological Terrorism Act. <laughs> and Alec, for those of you who don't know, it's a corporate front group, and the way it operates is corporations give tens of thousands of dollars to the organization, and in exchange for that, they get a seat at the table in drafting model legislation. 
And then those model bills are taken back by state lawmakers around the country and introduced where their colleagues have no idea that they were actually written by Pfizer and Wyeth and GlaxoSmithKline and the Cattlemen's <laughs> yeah, Association. Exactly. Monsanto, Enron. The union-busting bills in Wisconsin were ALEC. The stand-your-ground bills in Florida. So this Animal and Ecological Terrorism Act was written by these industries. And the model bill includes things like undercover investigations. It also includes really dangerous language about materially or financially supporting people who are doing things like this in order to encourage, plan, prepare, carry out, publicize, or promote these activities. This kind of material support language is not just about undercover investigators. It's not just about arsonists or the Animal Liberation Front. It's about people like us. I mean, make absolutely no mistake about the intent of this language. It's about people who are sharing this information online and writing about it, and people like me who are speaking out in defense of political prisoners. This all has to be viewed in the, this post-9-11 context. This is from a Freedom of Information Act document obtained from the FBI that shows the Bureau was actually considering terrorism prosecutions against undercover investigators as far back as 2003. This was even before new legislation called the Animal Enterprise Terrorism Act was passed. Again, this isn't about property destruction. It's not about arson. It's about people taking photographs. This is from another uh, FOIA request. These were presentations given by the FBI to new FBI special agents. This is one page on animal rights and eco-activists. And notice the emphasis on information about them being engaged in a public relations war, how media is vital to every part of their campaigns. God forbid media sometimes is even slanted in their favor, and sometimes they use celebrities. This rhetoric, <laughs> in addition to being a top FBI priority of uh, a terrorism threat, it's also been embraced uh, by corporations and, of course, politicians. When that meat recall happened in California, and soon after... Another investigation shut down a slaughterhouse. The industry put pressure on local lawmakers, members of Congress, who in turn sent a letter to the USDA in which they said undercover investigations were an act of, quote, economic terrorism. Okay, help me understand. It, so far it sounds pretty much like the American way. I, I'm not quite sure how the FBI gets sucked into this. I don't know how they got sucked into it either, but apparently the, these guys have, have put together packages. These industry, industry guys have put together these packages, and they make such a – this is lobbyists. Yes. And they yeah. make such a fuss that the legislative branch of the government tells the FBI or, or gives them a – you know, the FBI would like to arrest everyone, <laughs> uh, says, look, this is terrorism. And they make the argument that it's terrorism. These guys, and, and, and this is the various angles. This guy came onto our facility as, posing as a, as a worker, and all he did was take pictures, and then he exposed us for, this is terrorism. He's, they're terrorizing. Right. They're hurting right. business. Right. Right. They're hurting the bottom <clears throat> line. And right. now we take it to another extreme, which is the one that really bothers me. Oh, did you read this that these guys wrote? They wrote in defense of this guy <laughs> who was working for us, taking pictures and making us look bad. He's he's a terrorist. This this writer. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, this is where this is all headed. <laughs> yes. And Alec is and and you brought this. You discovered this 
by bringing up the abortion deal mm-hmm. and then having the our guy come in with the Alec note notation, which mm-hmm. I forgot all about Alec. Yeah, me too. And then I coincidentally listening to C-SPAN caught this little Alec clip. And I'm thinking this is this needs to be exposed. This is horrible. Well, a lot of people are trying to expose Alec. I, I think that's pretty futile because it it is it is the the biggest companies. Uh, it, but what makes me kind of laugh is that it in many ways it plays right into what people actually want, and the, and their anger and outrage is being used to get what they think they want. And and, and let me elaborate. Oh man, we had so we had another dinner. We had one of our Can I elaborate first or before or after the well, dinner. It's a part of it. Okay, it, it's a Let's part. Let's go of into it. the dinner. We will wrap it up. Yeah, the reason why. Uh, okay, so I'm going to jump around in the dinner. Uh, there were two. So this is the, the Obama bot dinners that we have, which uh, uh, are turning out to be that the, our our table mates are moving away from Obama botness, and I've got to be careful because you know once they're converted, it'll be no more fun. And why well, go? There's that, but this is this <laughs> is group go? three, isn't it? This is group. Test well, this, group three. Well, this is the original group. So the original oh, this is test group. A. Yeah, this is this is test group <laughs> specimens A. We have uh, Lori and Mark, um, and then we have uh, Russ uh, and his wife Jennifer. And uh, Russ, you'll recall, uh, is the uh, professor of, of of brain shit here at University of Texas. He's a he's a brain professor. Now his, uh, I guess technically his boss, the chair of the psychology department of University of Texas, joined our group. And by the way, how cool is this that a dropout disc jockey gets to argue with these people for free, like no tuition for free? <laughs> when do you have to pay to argue? And I get fed. It's great. Yeah, well, you you were doing the cooking this time, right? No, no, no. This was at Lori's house. No, she did the cooking. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, and now we'll talk about uh, uh, Jamie Pennebaker later because Jamie is the performative guy about the you know he's the the secret life of pronouns the performance we did we heard his his tape and I got to talk to him about that. His wife is Ruth Pennebaker. She has written wow uh, I think five or six books that have been published. She's written extensively. Uh, for the New York Times, uh, a lot in the art section, but she's a, uh, I can I can say she is a very outspoken feminist. And to give you an idea, um, she, well, she's very much, uh, she talks like a Hummer, like a Berkeley Hummer. Uh, in fact, she has that New York Times kind of uh, cadence to her. What's interesting about you. Well, in the milieu, yes, ex- indeed. What's interesting about Ruth is that she not only she blogged, but she was at the protest, and I think she was arrested because um, uh, she had a coat hanger. <laughs> now, Ruth, I don't know how old she is, uh, and I don't care to guess, but I will say that she is uh, at least two years older than I am. So that would put her at a minimum of fifty. Uh, and. Uh, and you know, I, I was not about for a single minute going to really get into my my personal feelings about this issue, uh, because I think I probably would have ruined the night at the get go. So I was yeah, very. No, you have to. You, I I I admire your uh, ability to manage this because uh, I tend to in these situations. I just I just clam up. I'm the worst guy to be at these things. <laughs> No, I, and well, I, I had done a lot of homework. I had read their books. 
Um, I had read, you know, I'd read his book, I'd read her book, or at least one, you know, her columns. So I already knew kind of what I was getting into. And you, you can't walk into these situations and think that, because people don't listen. This is the main thing. And it, and it became true. I don't think she really heard me when I, I did lay down my my smack on her. I said, oh, you know, I think this is great because I've been following this. And it looks to me like, uh, you know, this 20 pages of legislation about the uh, about the clinics and by the way, she had not read the bill. I, I will point that out. It's like, oh, that's interesting. You went to protest something you had not read. Um, she, I said, did you wear an orange T-shirt? Yeah. Where did it come from? I don't know. Someone was handing them out. You know, the Planned Parenthood uh, who was handing it's, it. You just need to know these things because it's this is big money. Planned Parenthood has an annual income of $155 million. I checked their uh, Form 990. You know, so there's a lot of money involved in uh, in, in this abortion business, and, and a lot of people want it for one reason or the other. And I'm not so sure it's necessarily about protecting unborn life or or protecting a woman's rights. I, I, I'm just not convinced. I don't. I've never seen any legis- legislator really give a shit about the citizenry. It's all about money. And I said, I think it's going to be a bonanza, and they're setting it up, and we've got this everywhere in these states, and Alec is, you know, the bill mill is writing this stuff, and it's going to be great. Poor women everywhere will be able to get abortions. It's just, it's going to be $5,000 billed to the insurance, and ultimately we'll all pay for it. And, you know, it's funny, it it really didn't even register. I, I could see it was just kind of flying by. But here's what I learned. Almost no one at this protest was under 50. Now, what, what's wrong with that? Yeah, it's not like they're having babies. Thank you. And and I, I kind of probed a little bit, and I said, um, you know, nowhere in the bill, which I actually read, does it... This is later during the dinner, not, not off the bat. I said, you know, I read the bill, and it had all these requirements, but yeah, that's going to make it, all, these, all these clinics shut down. I said, how do you know? Well, that's fact. I said, Oh, you're accepting the math, but you don't actually know the calculation. Yeah, and I went looking, John. I cannot find. I see uh, graphics. I see maps. I see maps with pinpoints and flashing lights. And you see, you, know, you see like fifty, and then then they all go away, and there's only six left. I was like, okay, you know, but yeah. And then you know, this was designed to shut down clinics. No, it was designed to. If you look at it, and this is what I love with professors at the table. And by the way, Mr. Pennebaker had listen to some of our show and he loves it he's like oh you guys are great i love this you guys and he actually said you're <laughs> fucking great i love this shit see he, he believes that when people use swear words they're more honest so i think he uses them a lot just gratuitously uh more than most people not gratuitously but when he really wants to accentuate a point he says it comes across he's an expert he's a linguist he's a, people uh, you're more believable if you use swear words i'm just a point a small point i want to throw out there um but when you're talking to scientists, it's very, it's great because now I've learned. You can say, "Oh, really? Do you have the calculation?" No. Said, so, "Well, it's actually not in the bill. It nowhere does it say this bill intends to shut down clinics." So you are just making a you you are you are regurgitating talking points of which you have no scientific or mathematical fact. Have you ever seen a professor shut up because you just said something like that? Well, if you said something like that and it's oh, true, they oh. would shut up. Now, and then, of course, Russ, the brain professor, he hands me this article about the eat right for your blood type. Oh, man, I'm totally shut down on that. Oh, he destroyed it. 
Well, I didn't think it made no, no, sense. No, but, but nothing okay. about no, the whole back. Everything is wrong about it. The whole backstory, everything. And he had he he, he like he must have worked for you know a week on researching. He's like, I'm going to get this curry. I don't care. I'm going to find it. You know, and he has. <laughs> I put it in the show notes. So I'm pretty sure that that was all placebo effect. But the, ultimately, yeah. Well, don't it, don't eat grains. You'll be healthier. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I think, absolutely true. So the main thing is, and this kind of, to bring it back to Alec, is that there is big money involved in this particular legislation. And and I, uh, you know, look, we put in God we trust on our money here in America, okay? There's a reason for that. The money is bigger than God. I'm sorry, I'm just not buying it. And then when I'm seeing all the money that is being spent, by the way, Wendy Davis, who is now being heralded as the rising political star who has been born, I looked at her funding, and you know it's uh, five hundred thousand dollars from this law firm. It's all these law firms that are expert at suing the government. So, and and they have they have essentially financed a lot of what she's been doing in the past uh, in in the past year. So, there's a lot of um, interest in this. And again, I thoroughly believe that it's all going to come down to something that is really going to be Republican led. That will be the joke of it all. Republican led. And it will bring in some kind of financing for abortions. And really, we're not—we're talking about a very small amount of actual vaginal abortions. Most of this is RU486. It's a pill. You know, it—it uh, it goes in. You know, two weeks later, everything's done. It's relatively safe. It's highly con- controversial, but it's been around for a long time. I don't even think it's in patent anymore. And that's what we're really talking about. And it's right now. It's five hundred bucks. That's too cheap. You can't really do anything with that. It needs to be five thousand. And, and no, that's, this is the same thing with a lot of these manufacturing chemists. Yes, the, with the compounders, they make the, the drug for the person customized yeah. at the manuf- and it's but it's too cheap. Yeah, no good. Why? Why should we be selling anyone drugs that they need to survive? Yeah, for like <laughs> that's dumb. Five bucks a month. Don't do that. Well, we can sell it for two thousand a month. <laughs> Don't do that. This is no good. No, let's let's yeah. gouge the public. Uh, especially when they when it's a when it's a kind of a cap captive market, just yeah. gouge them, gouge, gouge, gouge. But then this also, is great. but then here, but here's the the big tip off, John. It's it's not actually the women who need these abortions who are protesting. So what does that tell you? And and this is the discussion it's we got. It's rigged. Well, it's worse than that. Uh, and because I I did lay a little bit of. Because um, Jennifer, who's there, you know, she's protested this before, not this particular time, but she's pro, and, and she's really, really angry. You know, this whole "get out of my vagina" thing. What are you doing in my womb? And and you can, and, and I can feel a a huge surge of emotion that's funneled, that's channeled into this. Um, but it's about a lot more. You know, it's just you know, people are crazy these days. They're angry. They're upset. They're pressured by all kinds of things. Uh, but it's a trigger. And I think this is along. This is kind of the Republican version, or maybe it's all Democrat. I don't know. Who gives a crap which one it is? This is only about getting your vote. It's about getting your vote, just like the gun issue, and and it's about getting the uh, the the upper middle aged woman's vote. I, I I don't think it's about anything else. And it's and I said, do you realize this bill is not really forbidding anything? There's no real change. You're listening to talking points, and you're getting riled up, and you're getting angry, and and you're walking around with coat hangers, and you're not, you don't, you never even tend to get pregnant anymore. Do you see that you're being manipulated? Oh man, oh that that got everyone into a tizzy. 
Like, what? Uh, you said that? Yes. I had to. I had to. Oh, this bit was late in the meal? Yes. This was, yes, this was much later in the meal. <laughs> oh, who uh, got I had everyone on my... It was all right. It was all right. It, but it was a little tense. I bet you there's high it fives at some PR agency as we speak. <laughs> Curry did it! Yo! Woo! No, not you. <laughs> no, I'm talking about over this event. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Totally. Totally, and, and if you look at the the people involved, it's I mean, wow, Cecile um, Richards, who was Ann Richards' daughter, Ann Richards, who uh, was here before George W. You know, Texas was run by Democrats. You'd be right. you'd be amazed to know. Um, and she makes half a million dollars at this Planned Parenthood thing. It's a big operation, and there's all kinds of, all kinds of things going on with this. Uh, but I really have to say. Uh, it is manipulation of people uh, getting them using their uh, their utmost fears and desires and angers and man you can get you can get women really really angry about this issue very easily and you can't you can't just say well i think x y or z certainly not as as a guy because then all of a sudden you're just shit you know <laughs> you can actually get beat up over this you have to be very very careful uh so i come back from the front saying it was not a pretty uh, pretty sight I do need to bring you some more reports from this dinner because there were some other interesting things we discussed, uh, particularly with uh, Professor Pennebaker, um, who I uh, it was you know you can, yeah, I kind of eased into it, kind of let him know that I had read his book, and I said uh, you know this performative that was really quite quite fantastic, and he's just launched into it. He told every because no, no one knew what I was talking about except Mickey, and then so he, he explains performatives. Um, and for those of you who don't know, it's where a, typically a politician will say things like, let me be clear. And then whatever he says after that doesn't matter because he already told the truth because he just wanted to be clear. He didn't want to tell you the truth. He was just he wanted to be clear. Be clear. Now, my favorite one, I was thinking about this the other day, and I realized the Kennedys had, had a distinct one that caught on for a while and then it kind of dropped off. And it's Ted Kennedy used it, but John Kennedy used to say it all the time. And it was this. Let me say this about that. <laughs> that's the best one, right? <laughs> I think that's the best one. Let me say this about that. Yeah, that's a good let one. Let me say this about that, but what you're going <laughs> to say next is like could be anything. Well, here's I'll, I'll just give an example, a recent one from uh, Stephen Harper of uh, the Canadias. And the Prime Minister is also defending his actions following new revelations in the Senate expenses scandal. Here's what he had to say when asked about the payment between his former Chief of Staff, Nigel Wright, and Conservative Senator Mike Duffy. First of all, let me be very clear on this. I've been clear, clear repeatedly. I <laughs> it's a double whammy. I've been clear repeatedly. Let me be clear about this. Learned of this on May the fifteenth. I learned of this May. The, it just he doesn't stop. It's all performative. As soon as I learned of this, I made this information available to the public to the people <laughs> of Canada. <laughs> so that's basically what it is. Uh, and then I, at a late, I forget who it was. One of our producers said the presidential oath is essentially the biggest performative. Because it says, I hear, do, buy, solemnly swear that to the best of my ability. Like, okay, thanks, good night, go home. It doesn't matter what you say after that. Pennebaker, I thought he was going to shit himself. He's like, oh my God, I never thought of that one. So now I'm on the inside, right? Now I'm like, hey, this is good. Tell me some more. <clears throat> he's, and he's, so he, I wanted to get into his research, which hasn't been published yet. And he has computer programs, and he does a lot with uh, pronouns. Uh, so he has computer programs that calculate the use of certain words, but it's the words like I am, we, uh, are, that, there, they, these types of things. 
and he has uh, several uh, proven theorems that uh, that he can point to. And the first thing he he told me about was he can also see if a, a um, if a right if a writer was male or female, and he's done some very interesting um, studies. Uh, to see how how good playwrights were at writing male or female characters, etc. Um, and uh, just to give you an example, all of the female characters in Quentin Tarantino movies are extremely are written as extreme males, as so are those of Shakespeare. And he has studied all the American presidents, and he said about Barack Obama, he said, "It's unbelievable." said every single American president is 100% macho male. Barack Obama could not be more female. He says it's like a woman is writing his stuff. I said, Valerie Jarrett? He didn't get it. But he says the way he... the show more. The way the president talks, speaks, uh, it's all very soft, a little wishy-washy. He says, but he's doing it with scientific, you know, with... With uh, word counts and, and – Yeah, there are a lot of – there's actually a bunch of computer programs that attempt to do this, and you can run uh, – I've run professional writers uh, copy through a bunch of these systems, and you can find uh, – you, can, you can't always spot a female writer, uh, but you can, you can see them trending to female. Uh, most professional writers are all trained similarly, so the the female in this come from a professional. Mm-hmm. Professionals have a professional style that they develop from training and editing, right. and they tend to be kind of mostly, if not all, male, even if they're women. And this but is- normal people that just write away and just writing naturally, mm-hmm. uh, they I think it's easier with them. I think it's harder with professionals. He well, of course, if a professional is trying to write, you know a, a great writer can write a woman's character the way a woman thinks. You know, I think that that would be the hallmark of a great writer. I don't think so. I don't think that's the hallmark of a great writer being able to become a woman. No. Um, but okay, you're and right. I'm not even sure you're right. many great writers have ever accomplished what you just said. Well, he has done this exact study. And okay, well, what great writers have done it? Well, I don't. I don't have that information uh, handy. But if you look at it, it doesn't. I would say that it uh, it may be challenging to write like a woman if you don't know what you're doing to actually write from a female perspective and to and for it to come out in the computer analysis as. A woman, but sometimes it may not be necessary. Ergo, Quentin Tarantino's characters, his female characters, are all extremely male, and his movies seem to do fine. So it's just it's just a point that you can distinguish between men and women in their writing in general. Is that fair? I'd say uh, it's it's partially true. I think I, if you want to make the argument, I'm not going to argue against it, but. It, it's still, you know, it's what his research shows, and his yeah, research. Okay. And well, he, he's probably coming up with that, but I don't know if he's studying just professionals. He's studying no, professional. no, 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 not at all. No, no, no. In fact, far from it. And the reason why he does this is is the, the ultimate reason is to see that if you um, he's all about writing certain things. If you had traumatic experiences, and you can actually heal yourself. So his it, this is all just side research, which, by the way, is now going to Bing. This is very interesting because that's what they, these guys all got consulting gigs. It's very interesting. Uh, so Bing, uh, it looks like the search engine is going to be looking at some some fun things, uh, the way things are written. But of course, you know, they, they, these guys are vibing on Twitter and uh, and and all this these incredible data sets that we have. And what he's done is he said, if you go and look at the uh, pronouns, particularly the use of I words that every single president has used before warfare uh, in speeches, etc., you can see that right before 
they are about to attack or do something, their use of I goes down significantly. He said George W. with Iraq, uh, Senior with, uh, with you know, the first Gulf War, uh, Nixon. I mean, he's gone back and studied that. And, 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 and I said, well, how about Obama? He says, no, we, we haven't really done that research. So we, we have to I'll bet it. she's going to find a little contrariness there because if you remember, we've spotted this. When the, the way, when they got uh, Bin Laden, it was I I I. Mm-hmm. He's a very I oriented. Rarely yeah, says or me. or, and this is where I'm going. It didn't actually happen. No intention. It's all. It's not. It's yeah. <laughs> that's, that, that's actually a good one too. Yeah, that's the way I see it. And he's done so. And it's kind of the reverse of the last piece of information that I got from him. They studied the younger uh, Sarnef brothers' tweets. You know the uh, the so-called Boston bomber, and so yeah, I'm like. And first of all, he said, "Oh, we you know we took the Boston bomber." I said, "I'm sorry, he hasn't actually been convicted of anything." Oh, uh, you know the alleged uh, Boston bomber I said, "Yeah," and they studied his tweets going. Well, you all got the- somebody to actually have to use the word alleged oh, at yeah. the dinner oh, yeah. table. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> yeah, I would have just said. Eat shit. <laughs> no, these are professors. This is what's so great about it. You can do this. Th- you can do it all night long. <laughs> and, and so they took the the Sarnoff brothers' tweets, and his. Uh, there were two things they analyzed: the I word usage, which um, uh, started to go down when his older brother went back to Chechnya. Uh, but then when his older brother came back, not only did the I-word usage stop, but the cognitive, the word cognitive words uh, really dropped off, meaning, according to the professor, meaning that they had already made up their mind they were going to do something. And I found this to be interesting because, you know, neither you or I necessarily believe that they were certainly solely responsible for the Boston bombing. Uh, a lot has yet to be proven. There's a lot of questions and sketchiness and certainly no videotape as alleged. But it does feel like perhaps they were involved in some kind of operation and something was taking place, but it's not necessarily that. I wonder if any, you know, and he's going to submit this research. I'm wondering if it's going to be used in court, which would be kind of funny. Um, well, there's a, yeah. Go on, because that brings up another interesting thing that I picked up off the C-SPAN in court, using well, this well, sort of thing in court. Well, let, let's let's go ahead, because um, I will, I'm about to wrap it up with a, a document that I want to talk about. So if you've got something about this that I'm yeah, going to Yeah, I thought this was kind of interesting. They had a bunch of people on. This was another one of these crazy little events. And somebody brought this using NSA data in court. And I think that this is maybe one of the reasons that the FBI and all these other guys are freaked out about the Snowden revelations because they don't need this situation getting out of control where it's going to require. And I'll tell you what I think is going to require after you play the clip. A really interesting example from my work just on this topic real fast is that um, in 2005, there were a group of environmentalists that were facing multiple life sentences for property destruction. And like these cases, the government was just turning the screws and really threatening them with this. And they were refusing to take any plea agreement. A handful of these activists were, including Daniel McGowan from New York. And the defense attorneys filed a motion for any NSA surveillance that was used. This was at the really the peak of all the Bush administration spy scandal, right? And the judge agreed. And so it's just like, wow, holy, holy crap, this is, you know, that's amazing. This could throw out, if that was used, it could throw out the entire prosecutions. And then what happened is prosecutors had this amazing change of heart. 
<laughs> and they agreed to take the plea agreements without them snitching on their friends in order to quash that motion so it wouldn't move forward. And I say this just because I think it's a really unique um, element that not a lot of people know about that I have a very strong suspicion that illegal surveillance is working its way into many court cases. And there's a lot of pressure on prosecutors and on the government to make sure the extent of that isn't. (laughs) Hey, Judge. You know, if you think about it. Yeah, sure. You're, you know, you're suing me over something. I'm going to get discovery and I'm going to say, well, while I'm at it, I'm going to... Get all your phone calls. NSA to give yeah. me, give me all because they, they have them. Yeah, give me all your the what websites? All, the whole thing. You give, I want to see your. I want to see your email. I want to see your oh, websites. Oh. I want to see what you visited. I want to see your Google. Before, search. before I forget, interesting data point. The prof- he, you know, the professor works, of course, with his, his undergrads, right? And he, and he has them all do the, all the experiments. They all were super happy to give him emails, tweets, letters, anything to analyze. When he said, hey, I'd like to analyze your search history, everyone went, oh, no, uh, well, uh, no one wanted to give him that. No. Everybody's got sketchy stuff in their search his- history. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the NSA has it all, or Omniture, Adobe, whoever has it all. It's Somebody's all- got it. And by the way, if you take any of that stuff out of context, yep. it's a bonanza. Yeah. <laughs> We should do that. Shall I just read my... You want to read your search history and I'll do mine? You, you start. Know, I do too many searches. It's too boring. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, I think it would be a wonderful um, journey into the mind of John C. Dvorak. Yeah, I don't uh, think I, so. I, I would pay money for it, actually. How much? Ten bucks. The usual <laughs> The usual Mortimer. One dollar. <laughs> I'll give you a fine one dollar. So anyway, so here's what's going to have to happen. It's like a look, almost a Red Book prediction. Oh, which reminds me. Oh. Great. Um, they're going to have to make this stuff. They're going to have to do something legislatively to prevent abuse of all this data that the NSA is collecting. Because, ah. I mean, if I'm a lawyer, I'm going after that data on every case I do. Ah, can I? This almost brings me to a natural um, segue into the snow job, Snowden. I think I know where this is going to come down. All right, why don't you go in that direction? Okay, and we'll, I just want to make sure we... Well, we'll come back eventually to this document. Uh, there's a new player on the scene in the snow job. Um, now, there, there's a lot going on, and, uh, and I'm happy to talk about the bullcrap flyovers that the Bolivian president wasn't allowed to fly, and I can, I can debunk all of that. But the new guy on the scene... Now, remember his dad came out, Snowden's dad came out and said, Oh, you know... And, and I mean, this, this guy this is not even his dad. And I'm like, I don't know who this guy is. Uh, he has brought in a lawyer. And this is very interesting. The lawyer that uh, Lonnie has brought in is Bruce Fine. Now, Bruce Fine is, uh, this is, this is no slouch. He is a part of Lickfield and Associates. Have you ever heard of this outfit? Uh, yeah, I have. As a matter of fact, this is this is a huge, huge old school law firm. Their offices are at Lickfield Cathedral. <laughs> this, this this is an unbelievable group. What, what um, in what uh, context have you heard of Lickfield and Associates? Sure, they were just a big giant firm. Right now, if you look at their mission statement, uh, and you can find it at LickfieldGroup.org. Are you spelling Lickfield? Uh, 
Lima India Charlie Hotel Foxtrot India Echo Lima Delta Lichfieldgroup.org Enduring statement of mission of the Lickfield Group by resolution. Feeding the world's hungry and preventing global hunger. Yeah, okay. I know a lot of lawyers whose mission statement is that. Whereas the Lickfield Group is an independent, neutral, and impartial organization whose humanitarian mission is to provide food and aid to those in need and to supply them with the assistance in establishing and ultimately maintaining their own self-sustainability. Blah, blah, blah. We're like the International Red Cross, they say. No, 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 no. What's going to happen is we're going to have Wiki, WikiLeaks on one side. And, of course, they, you know, now that uh, um, MasterCard has said, oh, yeah, we're going to allow, we're going to let WikiLeaks uh, uh, process credit cards again. Well, how, how coincidental is that at this moment in time? And, and why such a change of heart, I wonder? So you we know, I, we, I, we may have, I, this is not the company I was thinking of, by the way, but I think we've discussed this group before. And I'm not, if and I'm not mistaken, they're out of the, they're from the, like the, they're in that Oxfam category. They're over yes. in England. Well, it's also, they've got big Israeli money behind them. This is a huge DC, uh, like, uh, I guess you'd call them neocon or, uh, you know, this, this is the, these guys have been around and they are going to make some kind of huge trouble. Because I think I think Snowden will come back. I think he's going to give himself up, but only under some kind of deal. And there's go we're going to have some kind of lawsuit. And I'm not sure exactly what this guy is not. You know, you can't retain this guy. If you're the if you're Lonnie, <laughs> hi, I'm Lonnie. I'm uh, I'm uh, Edward Snowden's dad. Hi, yeah. Hi, Bruce. I want to retain you. No, that's not how it works. These guys are based in Geneva. Yeah, that's who I called. Something big is going down here. And I think it has, it has everything to do with, um, with putting the screws to probably this administration, is what I'm guessing. Well, everything that we've seen over the last, uh, when, it, when it first began, when they started, and I, we've said it a couple of times, they're piling on Obama. Yep. Yep. Big time. And they are, they're, it's relentless. And it, it, we, Decided, I believe the two of us that about a month ago when one it had already begun, mm -hmm. and now we started. It was like we got to we have a shot at getting rid of him now mm -hmm. or never. And so we have it's been relentless, relentless, relentless. And I don't see that uh, they figure. I think somebody did a psychological profile of him, the woman side of him, I guess. <laughs> yeah, figuring exactly. that he's going to yeah. crack. Yeah. Let me let me give you a little more extra. Or let me give the the producers of the show a little more extra data. So we had this Bolivian uh, incident, and um, and this was essentially the setup to rile up all of South America. Uh, let, let me play. This is a, about a minute and a half of um, we have uh, Bolivia, Venezuela, Argentina. Uh, by the way, the the Venezuelan president. What kind, he's got a like a. Uh, like a Devo safety dance hat on. This very interesting outfit he's wearing. And these are the them speaking and uh, translations. It's a little compilation of what they are saying about the president and uh, the United States of America. If necessary, we will close the U.S. Embassy in Bolivia. We do not need the U.S. Embassy. 
We don't need this pretext of cooperation and diplomatic relations when they come to conspire from within and from outside. The U.S. ambassador to Bolivia is gone. The U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration is gone. Surely the CIA is infiltrated all over the place. <laughs> and now we go to Venezuela? My hand would not tremble to shut down the U.S. Embassy. We have dignity. We have sovereignty. Without America, we are better off politically and democratically. That was still uh, Bolivia. Now it's Venezuela. The ones who gave the order to the authorities in these countries and said young Snowden was on the plane were the CIA. According to what has happened, in Europe the CIA is more powerful than the governments. So, who's in charge in Europe? The European governments and their people, or the CIA? You, President of Bolivia, were held hostage for 13 hours, and now they're trying to explain all this, saying it was due to technical problems or fuel problems. Okay, so that was uh, the three uh, South American countries in a row, and very interesting how they're talking about the CIA being infiltrated, how America is shit, you know. And by the way, uh, to the chat room, you're absolutely right. Um, Devo did not do safety dance. There was men without hats, and because that's the only thing you care about, I'm logging off of the chat room because you're idiots. You're not. That's the only fact they can pick up on. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I just logged out. How stupid are you? Oh, there was, there was men with that hat. All right. Um, so th there's clearly, and this is all Russian based. Putin is sitting there laughing at this because the oh, no, Putin's having the time the, of his life. The Bolivian, fact, I wouldn't be surprised if Putin's group didn't make themselves look like the CIA pulling this off. Oh, well, let me tell you what happened. So the Bolivian president had just had a meeting in Moscow. He's flying back from Moscow where, you know, they have a $5 billion deal with Gazprom, which is Putin. You know, they know what side of the, the, the bread is buttered. And this whole, like, oh, they were, they, were for, you know, they were not allowed to cross. They were forced to land. Well, here is the, uh, and if you look on the map, they, they, um, they tried to land in Portugal uh, for fueling. And Portugal, uh, Faro Airport, I believe, could not take them for technical reasons, which is highly possible that they had to divert. But if you look at the map, they then circle around. They go to Austria. Uh, this is the uh, the tail number is Fox Alpha Bravo 001. And I'm going to let you in on a little bit of pilot humor here as you listen to this force landing in Austria. Control, good, good evening. Control, Alpha Bravo 001. Alpha Bravo 001, good evening. Information whiskey. Expect ILS Hanbei 16. Okay, so that's the tower saying, good evening, how are you doing? Information whiskey, which this is, uh, that's the, the current uh, weather and atmospheric conditions. Expect this runway, how are you doing? Information whiskey, ILS, runway 16, Fox Bravo, Do you need any assistance? Bravo, do you need any assistance upon landing? So this is the Austrian flight controller saying, hey, do you guys need any assistance when you land? You know, because we know that you're... You know, presidential plan, you need anything? Anything we can do? Ice cream, you know, the Twizzlers, anything we can get for you? Uh, not at this moment. Uh, we need to uh, land because uh, we are not, uh, we cannot get a correct indication of the fuel indication. So, as a um, precaution, we need to land. Okay. Now, let me tell you a little bit of pilot humor. 
So what he said is, no, 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 we don't need assistance. We need to land because we cannot get a correct indication of our fuel level. Therefore, we need to land as a precautionary measure. Uh, this is a $47 million jet, uh, which, you know, it's, this is not like uh, your fuel gauge in your uh, car. Uh, and it's not just one fuel gauge. It's multiple fuel gauge, fuel pressure, fuel flow. This is very, very rare. In fact, there's two things pilots use when they want to make an unscheduled landing because this was an unscheduled landing, the, for, probably because Putin said, all right, <laughs> here's what we're going to do. <laughs> First, I'm going to say that Anna Chapman wants to marry Snowden. That'll piss everybody off. Then I want you guys to pretend like you're being forced down. But he's not. He is requested to land, and the two things, if you need to make an unscheduled stop or some change that is not a part of your flight plan, the two things you use are, one, oh, man, there's something wrong with the fuel. We don't know. Because he didn't declare an emergency, you see. Declaring an emergency is a whole different level. He said, no, no, as a precautionary measure, we might have something wrong with the fuel. We want to land. The other one, which you use in smaller aircraft, and every pilot will know this, you say, uh, yeah, we have a passenger who's sick. In other words, you, know, you got someone puking in your cockpit and you want to land and you just want to get them out because it smells of puke and you want to stop. And they're both usually lies. Because you just want to convert to uh, a different flight plan, you want to land somewhere, you were too lazy to file, etc. So this does not jive with they were not allowed to enter airspace, they were blocked. No, they they did it, made an unscheduled stop, and it was their request, and it was a lie that brought them down. So this whole thing, South America, is. I think what Putin is doing is saying, okay, you want to surround everything here? You want all your rockets? You want to put everything here? You want it in? You want Syria? You got your stuff in Poland? You got all of North Africa? How about I get South America? All I'm waiting for now is for Mexico to start saying something to us. That oh, we have to put in the red book. Mexico, Mexico. next. Mexico, <laughs> Mexico next. This is Cold War. And I think. And did you hear Bolivia, Venezuela, and uh, um, and Argentina? This is like all of South America is an uproar. Well, I think the Russians pretty much have deals with all of those countries. No, it's it's becoming quite funny. To us. Now, what was the point, or was you think that this was bogative, where they came in and searched the plane for, supposedly for Snowden, but no, they searched were, the plane for something? May, maybe they just continued with the ruse and had, look, if they really had a fuel indicator problem, then it can take quite a while to get someone out who uh, who knows this Trident jet and knows how to look at the fuel indicator. You ha- you kind of have to keep the ruse going, whatever. But they asked if they needed assistance. This is not a forced landing. This is not like someone checking. This is this is all all a lie. None of it is true. None of it. There is no evidence well, I, other than I news reports. I would say that you know the analysis is interesting because if you listen to the State Department, I have a clip. Oh, good. They were jumping all over. That was it was Jen that was the spokeswoman. Oh. I, I have other clips from her. <laughs> I've 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 listened to her a couple times, and I can't believe that the press corps doesn't shoot her. Yeah, no, she is <laughs> condescending. Oh, she's much worse than our other girl, than Newland. Yeah, she is so condescending. I don't have these clips because I, I was just didn't produce them. I may put them together later yeah. because it takes a little production. She is especially to Matt Lee. Who's our favorite yeah, who's guy? Who's our guy? Here. He's our guy, Matt. Yeah, Matt. And so Matt from AP, he I said think I have he's the jumping on her constantly, and she's always going. She's like big nurse, and the one flew over the cuckoo's nest. 
Oh, I, well, Matt, I know you'd like to think that way. I know you'd like... It's not the facts, and we're not going to talk that no, way, and, are we, Matt? And Matt is also always saying, like, well, before you say the fluid is... The situation is fluid and we don't address... Oh, these yeah, things. he's always giving her crap about her bull crap. Yeah. It's hilarious, but I, I haven't been able to find enough to clip from it. You you clearly got well, something. I have a clip, Good. at least, of her saying that, oh, well, you know, it's not... We can't talk... Essentially, it's a clip of her saying we can't talk about anything. Right. But they got on the case about this... Uh, about this plane and all the right. crap that went on. Oh, and yeah. She seemed she seemed as though she was either unaware, if from your perspective, if what you say is true or what your your thesis say your thesis. The, the is data true. I have, I mean, shows she does not have any of this at all. I mean that you're uh, taking one side over the other. Go ahead. <clears throat> Did um, the U.S. have any role in encouraging Western European countries to block the flight of the Libyan president yesterday? Was there any communication between the U.S. and those countries? Uh, well, um, as you know, because we've talked about it quite a bit in here, um, the U.S. has been in mm -hmm. touch, uh, the United States, I should say, officials have been in touch with a broad range of countries uh, over the... What was that about? The United the says uh, a lot. No, 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 sorry, no, 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 no. But she, no, she says something else. She says the U.S. or I mean the United States, I should say. Why yeah, is, no, I heard that. Why is that? Tried to anal analyze it. She says the U.S. and she's the United States official. I do not know. Okay, that was I weird. Again, but yeah. I, I, you yeah. will not get it. That was I weird. And those countries. Uh, well, um, as you know, because we've talked about it quite a bit in here, um, the U.S. has been in touch, uh, the United States, I should say, officials have been in touch with a broad range of countries uh, over the course of the last 10 days. Um, and we haven't, uh, I haven't uh, listed those countries. I'm certainly not going to do that today. Uh, our position on Mr. Snowden has also been crystal clear in terms of what we want to happen. Uh, and that message has been communicated both publicly uh, and privately in uh, a range of these conversations we've had with countries. Um, and let me just repeat, he's been accused of leaking classified information. He's been charged with three felony counts and should be returned to the United States. I don't know that any country doesn't think that that is what the United States would like to happen. Um, the public, many, uh, the public, um, uh, but decisions made, um, you know, over the course of the last week or so, whether they're public comments about whether or not they'll accept asylum as asylum request or whether it's uh, closing airspace are decisions made by uh, individual countries. And I would uh, point you to them uh, to uh, to describe <laughs> why they made decisions, if they made decisions. And I know there have already been a range of public comments out there. Uh, the, there's been a great deal of criticism, though, from um, Latin American leaders about the um, decision, not least because Snowden doesn't appear to have been on board. Um, you don't sound like you're denying that there were conversations about this. I mean, they, the number of Latin American leaders today have specifically criticized the U.S. for uh, intervening in a diplomatic flight. Am I right in understanding that you're not denying there were conversations about that? I'm not going to get into diplomatic conversations that happened uh, over the past 10 days and which countries they were with, but I would point you to the countries uh, that you're referring to and ask you to ask them about decisions that were made. And I just got a little uh, extra new piece of information in that they, um, uh, the aircraft also made a refueling stop at Las Palmas Airport which uh, I think is Canary Islands, where they only took on 3,100 kilos of fuel, which is about a third, you know, just about enough to run out. 
or to refuel somewhere else. This thing, and and by the way, that clip, which uh, I I had I saw that whole piece. I was thinking about it. I realize it's better when you can see her annoying head. Oh. She's so funny. You have to kind of the biggest because she's got a look. <laughs> yeah, you have to kind of see the face when she does yeah, it to really make. Yeah, it. No, actually, she doesn't. If you just listen to her audio, it's a lot different than if you watch her. Yeah, no, because yeah. it's just like this. It's like you idiots. Yeah, I don't know. She's a very yeah. uh, Hillary yeah. style. Yes. Well, uh, of course, I think she was obviously course. hired yeah. by Hillary yeah. during the, that era. Well, we should we should look into her background. I, I have not done that. I know that she that Jen. Because you know Victoria moved on, right? She's up. She's now. She's on the plane. She she flies with Carrie, and she's, you know, she's a, she's a muckety muck now, which of course she wants to be because she is in the elitist circle with her husband there. Uh, but this whole thing is, uh, and you can hear her uh, really having nothing to say about it. There was no call. There's you know, there's nothing went out. There's, you know, this this it, it is theater. It is one big theater. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I don't think she had a clue. She no, wasn't clued in. No, she has no idea because it didn't happen that way. It just didn't happen. This is a, and it's so hard. We don't catch these things quite quick enough. You know, we need to find out where did this come from first? Who was the first to report this atrocity? And I'm pretty sure it came from sources RT. such as RT. Yeah, exactly. RT, maybe. Like the first clip I saw of it was on was RT. RT. Yeah. I'm telling you, these guys are making fools of our people. Yeah, yeah, well, there's two things you can do. A, shut RT down, get them off, or B... That's what I would do. Or B, hire the Curry Dvorak Consulting Group and give us a channel. Give us us MSNBC. I think what you want to do is you want to create a... a, I don't know... Yeah, MSNBC would be good. Please, we could be great with it. Because you got to get rid of some of these guys like Schultz. I mean, that guy, he's not doing anybody a favor. (sighs) It's okay to spy on the American public because terrorists are involved. (laughs) He doesn't even know what the right way to go. And the funny thing in in the midst of all of this is to go after the Russians. The New York Times, is for some reason, they got left out. I'm not quite sure why. But the New York Times didn't get a didn't get a seat at this table for this this grand game this you know this whole uh, the, the the leaking of the of of the documents and they're just not a part of it. In fact, there's a um, a pretty good article in the Times about the FISA court, the Foreign Intelligence Service Act courts, and how they've created this huge body of legislation that actually enables. Under the special circumstances uh, clause, enables this type of large um, surveillance, and it is the same clause that is used for uh, sobriety checkpoints, for airport security, and what you're seeing is you know the so-called slippery slope. You know, it's mud, and we're we're down. We're <laughs> we're headed on the way down, and there's no stopping it because we allowed all this to happen, even though you know lots of people are saying, hey, hey, don't do this. The rest of the fools are like, oh, I want to be safe. And we're only getting more of that. We're only getting more of the, yeah, I agree. And this is, and maybe I should just finish with, with the document that, that Professor, Russell, Professor Russ gave to me. Because I put this in the show notes, and this is something you have to see to believe. In 1987, so Russ is you know, one of our, uh, our dinner group, and, um, and we were talking about what is, you know, I'm ta- it was part of the manipulation thing. 
Now, like, you know, people get freaked out about all the wrong things. You know, you're probably worried that you're going to get shot by some white psycho in the shopping mall or the movies, where really the likelihood of that is less than getting struck by lightning. You have more chance of dying by driving home tonight, etc. And, of course, you know, this, this becomes a conversation. And there was an email thread the next day. <clears throat> and Russ sends, because he's, you know, he's, he's a brain scientist, so they, he knows all the research on this stuff. And let me just find the uh, the actual document here. There's a very, and he says it's a very famous study that was done. And this is, you know, this type of research is um, is done by, um, you know, is federally funded, right? It, it, a lot of research is done by the uh, what do you call it? The uh, National Institutes of Mental Health. Uh, what else do you have, John? National Science Foundation. Science, uh, yeah, the Army. The Army, the, the intelligence agencies, the, the DARPA does a lot of this. And so he gives me the document. Oh, I'm just scrolling. I'm a little... Oh, I see what you're up to. Yeah, I can't find it. <laughs> can't find it. <laughs> like, John, help me out here. Could you talk for yeah, a Yeah, and then I yeah. think, uh, you know, brown is a pretty color if you're really <laughs> dumb. <laughs> the, uh, the research was done by a guy named Slovic, S-L-O-V-I-C. And uh, that's the name I'm looking for, right? <laughs> Fuck! This is horrible. I can't believe I lost the fucking document. Yep. Uh, yes, I said it. I'm sorry. It makes you more believable. Yeah, be well, believe me that I lost this document. Uh, I might have to come back to it, otherwise I'm just running around like an idiot. Because I, I marked it up. Anyway, in 1987, they did a survey, and it was done. It was given to the government and given with the express... Uh, notion of, hey, wow, the American people are afraid about really stupid things that aren't really uh, all that dangerous, and you should adjust your uh, the way you legislate to let people know that they're worried about all the wrong things. And I look at this document, 1987. You look at it in just the opposite. Yes, way. 1987. Yeah, yeah, I would do the same thing. <laughs> let me. I'll guess what you're going to say. Mm. The document comes and says, oh, this is what they're afraid of. Let's milk it. And it's top of the list, nuclear energy. You know, um, at, at that time, at that point in time, uh, top of the list was, um, what was, and of course it's segregated by women and students, etc. Uh, top of the list was private aviation. You know, people on small airplanes, all of this stuff. And it goes into a level of... Um, of how how your brain works, and it turns out that people are more afraid of events. And there's a, and I'm looking for a word because it's going to be a show title. They're more afraid of events that actually have no uh, no real um, uh, victims, but that you know shows a failure, typically a technological failure. That if that happens, oh, thousands of people could die, and that's of course what um, what nuclear energy is. So the event doesn't actually, not, not a lot of people die or are hurt or if anything, it all happens. But it gives you the idea that if, if the government doesn't fix, fix the technology, fix the legislation, technology is a big one in this, by the way, that then it could have catastrophic, catastrophic results. It's probably why they're milking the cyber terrorism. Exactly. Meme. This thing is like a joke. This is essentially, unfortunately, everybody forgets about this. This is no worse than Y2K. Same thing. Y2K, this was, the study was done before Y2K. Otherwise, it would have been perfect for it. Perfect. 
Uh, and Y two K, the biggest yeah. fiasco ever. Oh, I have it. Oh my goodness! All this time I was looking for the document. Jeez, the show's over. I know. What can I say? Okay, I just okay. And it's uh, it's one of these. He got it from uh, what's the thing that they killed Aaron Schwartz for? J Store. <laughs> so they killed people over over talking about documents like this. The zero risks. Here it is. This is the. These perceptions and the opposition to technology that accompanies them have puzzled and frustrated industrialists and regulators and have led numerous observers to argue that the American public's apparent pursuit of a, quote, zero-risk society threatens the nation's political and economic stability. <laughs> Which is, if I read that right, you go like, uh, no, this is perfect. How, how do you want me to, like, control people? It's exactly what we want. New evidence appears reliable and, for, and informative if it is consistent with one's initial beliefs. Contrary evidence tends to be dismissed as unreliable. This is kind of the basis of conspiracy theories. Erroneous or unrepresentative. So it, it kind of is a, res, a reverse of conspiracy theories um, that shows the government how to help people get on board with some agenda. Uh, and then it goes into the Three Mile Island nuclear reactor in 79 provides a dramatic demonstration that factors besides injury, death, and property damage impose serious costs. Despite the fact that not a single person died and few, if any, latent cancer fatalities are expected, no other accident in our history has produced such costly social impacts. The accident at Three Mile Island devastated the utility that owned and operated the yeah. plant. It also, and don't forget the movie, <laughs> yes. China Syndrome, which, with which came Jane out, Fonda. Which came out 12 days before that happened. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, and so it goes on. Now Now I want to give you the, the meat of it. Um, although TMI, Three Mile Island, uh, accident is extreme, it is by no means unique. Other recent events resulting in enormous higher-order impacts include the chemical manufacturing accidents Bhopal, India, the pollution of Love Canal, New York, the Times Beach, Missouri, disastrous launch of the Space Shuttle Challenger, the meltdown of the nuclear reactor, Chernobyl, etc., etc. And here it is. An important concept that has emerged from the psychometric research is that the seriousness and higher-order impacts of an unfortunate event redetermined in part by what that event signals or portends, the inf informativeness or signal potential of an event is thus its potential social impact appears to be systematically related to characteristics of the hazard and the location of the event with the factor space described earlier. An accident that takes many lives may produce relatively little social disturbance if it occurs as part of a familiar and well understood system like a train wreck. However, a small accident in an unfamiliar system such as a nuclear reactor or a rec uh, recombinant DNA laboratory may have immense social consequences if it is perceived as a harbinger of further and possibly catastrophic mishaps. That is your cyber war right there. No one dies, but you can say, oh, you, I mean, you really don't, oh, yeah. un you don't I, understand you this. Money. We should just quit this show and go do a cyber war company. <laughs> There's so much money in that. Well, maybe we should do both. I think we could do it part-time. So here's the clip that relates to that clip, mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting. I was, uh, again, on C-SPAN watching these two guys who wrote the book Balance is on book TV. Mm -hmm. 
and they're talking about the eco- the economies of the various uh, countries and how we can get out of this mess we're in and why we need a balanced budget, but we, it has to be balanced a certain way because we have to we have emergency situations. But then they drop this one in it's this a lot of manufactured crisis clip. Times um, changes spurred by either a crisis in this country. We're good when our backs against the wall, and other times technology advancements help. How do you see those two playing a role in your view of the future? It's a a great point, and where the country has risen to great challenges have been economic crises, wars. One of the reasons we were for the rule changes is if I can be really candid, to almost manufacture a crisis. Uh, Politicians have very difficult times in dealing with long-term present value issues. They need a crisis in the here and now, and we we may have to manufacture that. Because if we don't, the problem is, as with other great powers, over time, our ability to do all the things that the American people today take for granted uh, will simply diminish. Exactly. And so these exactly. papers help. And the, so I sent this back to Russ. I went, oh, my God. I said, this is 87. Cable television was just starting. I mean, it, it, CNN had been around for a couple of years, but it was go- every everyone had big base forty channel basic cable. We had cell phones which were the size of VHS cassettes. Hello, VHS cassettes. What am I even talking about? Uh, we had the internet was uh, ping, finger, and gopher. And can you imagine that this is and when this was starting, this is a bonanza. So I, he's now he's going <clears> to <throat> look for us and see if there's been any updated research. But he says this is a paper that was landmark at the time and is constantly referred to in the scientific community. And so he says there may be, there may be something new, um, uh, but he, he's, he'll, find it for, he'll find it for us if there's been new research. But this is basically what everything started on. If you correlate that back to 87, I mean, look at all the things that have happened since then. Look at all the fantastic manufactured crises we've had, including your Y2K example. Yeah. A lot of money was spent on that Y2K thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, on No Agenda in the morning. And we do have a number of people to thank for the uh, help and support the show, 528, and I'll rattle their names off. Uh, Evelyn Bicellis in uh, Venezuela, as a matter of fact, $100. Uh, my husband, Diego Medina, is a huge, and he has donated, I believe, a huge No Agenda fan. His birthday on July 7th is today. Hey. So he's on the list. Uh, Sean Coffey in Annandale, uh, New South Wales. Boner turned donor, watching the docos, how to make money selling drugs and backed up by the house. Excuse me, back to by the house I live in. Slaves, slaves. the winter of the wire is in both. Slaves, no need to read on air. Okay, we won't. Uh, Matthew Yates, Fairport, New York, 8436. Von Glitschka in Salem, Oregon, uh, 7777. Um, Sam Menor in Box Hill, South Australia, Victoria. Or South someplace, Victoria. Anyway, Australia. 7713. Glenn Riccio in uh, Charlottesville, Virginia. 7713. We have a rather long note here. Why you look it over? I thank Kieran Ingray in Glenwood, New South Wales. We have a lot of Australians coming in 
forward today for some reason. Well, you know why? Because the, the, everything's in turmoil there, and uh, and you know, you, I've noticed this when we when you do news about a certain country, and we talked about the um, uh, the New Zealanders going to Australia for jobs, and I got a lot of email about that, and you know, people feel involved in the show, and then like, oh, hold hold on a second, this, and I got a lot of stories. The show notes are usually filled with. All kinds of interesting Australian and uh, New Zealand news. No, no different today. Well, Kieran has apparently been watching since show 25 and just gay for the first time. And he feels like kind of like a douche. But the mail we sent him on Saturday or our Saturday, which I think is Thursday of last year in Australia. I don't know how they do it. <laughs> yeah. Whatever the case is, it was right at the top of his box. And he says, OK, I give in. Keith Shoemaker in Jacksonville, Florida, 7713. Joe Collins is 7713 Woodbridge, Virginia. Uh, he's actually Sir Yoho. I want to make sure that he gets that call right out. On, right on, right on. Uh, Jesse Brunette, Brunette hmm, 75, in Sudbury, Ontario. I'm no longer a hoser. I'm now a donor. Much love from Sudbury, Ontario. Big Nickel loves you. Please send karma to my love, Alex. He got me into the show earlier this year. All right, send pictures. Uh, get some karma at the end. Yep. James Howard, 7413, Indianapolis, Indiana. Pat Deary, 7413, these are still These are still a lot of our uh, 7413 donations. The 7413s coming in late. Yeah. Yep. Harvey Lee, 7413, in just Washington. Federal Way somewhere. Federal Way, is that his town? I don't think so. Don't is it? I don't, I, don't I, don't I don't know. I don't know. Sir Wade Deming, $73 in Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, Michael Kieran, 6969. 69. 69, dude. He says he wants to, uh, what did that happen to my spreadsheet? Oh, hold on. <laughs> I scrolled down and scrolled all the way back up. He said, he said, wish I had my night ring, but I understand it's hard to ship to Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, I 69, think we'll get That's we'll kind get of a you. way of saying, hey, fuck you with your ring. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what he's trying to say. Yeah. Uh,. Jacob, uh, Jacob, Jacob Griffith. Jacob Griffith in 6969 Raleigh, North Carolina. Anthony Rodriguez, 6969 Waynesboro, Virginia. Um, James Howard, 6969 in Indianapolis, Indiana. 69! 69! Wow. Very close. One, two, three, four. four back four. down to four. He, by the way, Howard wants to, James wants to say, I like to call it the guy from the last show who wouldn't donate because of drones as a freeloading douchebag. Douchebag. That was a bullshit excuse. I'm <laughs> firmly convinced that the No Agenda show does more good than bad that might be causing any, may be caused by any show funding eventually migrating to the government through taxes. Yeah, well, of course there's money that we pay our taxes. Believe me, the last thing we want is for them to, that's the easy way to get us. It's yeah, taxes. Too much taxes. Yeah, but then my money goes to local people in, in Texas. Slick yeah. Media, LLC, that's where most of, yeah, of course, 5670, at least for now. Hmm. Um, Pedro Gonzalez, Gonzalez in 5555 New York, New York. Sam Menor, Box Hill South, whatever Box Hill South is in Australia again. 50 double nickels on the dime. We get one a show. Can, can, Catriona? Catriona, Catriona, I think, Scott. Scott Catriona Photography, $50.33. Uh, Christopher Walker, 50 David Becker, 50 Chuck Boyce, 50 Patrick Mac, Mac, Mackham, it would be our last 50 He is in, I hate to mention, but Mac Harbor's in Sheboygan. 
<laughs> and Pat Mackham's in Vermont, New York. There you go. And we want to thank them and everyone else who's contributed lesser amounts for this show, 528. We do indeed uh, uh, thank you because, well, there you go. Could you get any of this conversation? I think, by the way, just so you know, none of that was rehearsed. I had no idea what clips John had. I didn't know he was coming up with that. I mean, that was... I think we flowed in and out for like 25 minutes there, John, just going back and forth. That was pretty outrageous. It happens. Uh, and we don't talk. No, we don't. I mean, come on. Why would we? <laughs> what? Really? We're mad at each other. Really? Ew, <laughs> stinky. You gave me crap, this guy, Adam Curry, on the Twitter. I did. I don't want to hear did. your crazy analysis is... Oh, is that what I said? Or did I say, uh, stop with the amateur analysis? The tail did not fall off. Shut up, slave. I didn't say shut up, slave. You said the tail fell off. I said, no, it didn't fall off. I never said it fell off. I said it could have fallen off. Oh, it's not what you said. That's not what you said. That's not what you said. I never said the tail fell off. That's exactly what you said. No, 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 no. You can't read tweets. Okay. Shall I read it to you? All right. No. Yeah, no, I'm reading it to you now. See, you're the guy that's always so... By the way, you, your artwork is beautiful on your Twitter. What is that? Is that uh, Van Gogh? No, it's me. You did that? Yeah. That 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 green thing? Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's Grey Marsh Farms. That's beautiful. Yeah. I, well, how can I yell at you now? You're a sensitive man. I am. I'll probably be... <laughs> yeah. No, it was about the airplane, and you and you said... Uh, yeah, and you know, uh, a guy sitting in the bathroom blew it up, tail fell off. This is exactly what you said. That you oh. just made this up. Okay, I'm, uh, now you're gonna have to wait. I will find it. And yeah, you tweet a lot. Boy, how annoying is that? It's how many followers do you have? The I, more you tweet, the more followers you get. I don't. It's I like don't blogging. Care. If you don't blog much, nobody follows your blog ever. Keep looking. I, I don't. I don't. Here, I'm gonna. I, his kids playing guitar. You you do tweet a lot of nonsense. I don't tweet any nonsense. Yeah, my some of the stuff that seems like nonsense is just me re- responding to someone. You don't have to read those. Hey, by the way, you know when they mentioned earlier in the show the guy who did uh, they they mentioned that Chinese version of Twitter, and then yeah, when they Mebo. showed it, Mebo. there was an English. We should be members of this. Okay, hold on a second. So, You're not going to uh, find it. Yeah, I would found it. And okay. I, it was to Eve Connected, and that's what I responded to. It wasn't even to you. And Eve Connected had... Because this was... A, it was valid. It said, uh, it's only the six-week cycle if it's terror-related. And you said, how did the tail fall off? Ah, uh, is that saying how did the tail fall off? Saying that the tail fell off? Yes. You said, and you can rewind yes. the tape. yes. You that, said, yes, oh, when, you said the tail fell off. Yes, when you question how the tail fell off, that means you believe the tail fell off. Which it should be, fall off. Which should be with two Fs, not one, by the way. Whatever. It, well, I'll change. <laughs> Very funny, he guess my that. spelling. Yes, he hates delete that. that one. And then I said, all I said was, please stop with the amateur analysis. The tail did not fall off. And then you came There's back no and... tail on it. It and, fell off. And th- No, it did not fall off. It was chopped off. 
And it wasn't then, chopped off. It was it banged and fell off. No, it did not fall off. And then you come back and you say, "It's not on there. This if it's not on there. It's fallen off. <laughs> it's not. It doesn't f- falling off is different than being chopped off. It wasn't chopped off. There was no big knife out of the sky chopping it off. It, it fell, no, it was no. off the plane. It got chopped Dust off by off. the seawall. It was chopped off by the seawall. And then you come back and say, this is Twitter, not a place for your shut up slave invectives, which meant I had to go to the dictionary to look up the word invectives, which means it was, <laughs> which means like, which is why you use the word, which means insulting or whatever. And I didn't insult you. And then I said, categorizing amateurish and grossly inaccurate conjecture is hardly invective. The tail oh, did not. I got that tweet. I had given up on this conversation already. <laughs> the tail did not fall off. No, no, there was a tail on there. Yeah, sure. It didn't <laughs> fall off. It was chopped off. Regardless, it did prove the point that Twitter is nothing but a big global schoolyard of people it's not just. Not as bad as uh, Google Plus. No, I loved your article, by the way. Love the PC Magazine, which I think was Google Plus Blows Chunks. Was that the title of it? It was close. <laughs> So then I got some some guys on Google Plus, just as usual, come out, hey, the market's full of crap. He says, where else, how can Google Plus be dead? Where else can I post a picture of, this is what the guy said. You didn't say it was dead, by the way. No, I never said it was dead. I just thought it was a loser. Uh, He says, where else can I post a picture of Robert Scoble with a caption and get 500 page views? And I, or 500,000, 500,000 page bots, bots. And well, besides the bots, but my (laughs) comment was, if that's true, this thing is worse off than I thought. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) See, who wants to be a part of that? Let's be a part of a picture of Robert Scoble getting 500 million views. uh, Five billion. I think it was five billion. I can't get the number right. Yeah, Yeah. That was, I, I, I just don't like Google Plus. A, I find it's it's just annoying. Yeah. It's it's Twitter on steroids. But take this, take this now. If you go and look um, now, all the people that have been at these dinner parties, especially the women, if you look, if they have Twitter accounts, if you look at their Twitter accounts, these are highly educated, sophisticated, very 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 respectable women. They get on Twitter, and it's like, you Republicans suck. I know. Sarah Palin, you're dumb. I mean, <laughs> you're dumb Republican. It is literally that. I'm not making these words up. I'm like, you are an intelligent woman, and you're sitting on Twitter going, you, re- you Republicans are just lame. It's like you're on the schoolyard yelling to the other side. What is this behavior? What is it? We are all still six years old. And you and I were doing the same thing. Yeah, it's six. Why? Well, we no, well, okay. Now, anyway, so let's, let's go back. Uh, was, we got to finish up the dinner. You never finish it. Well, we're again, well close hold on. To the end of the show. Yes, hold on, John. I have like twenty things I got to do. One is Borak.org uh, slash n. Trying to play that for the fast past ten minutes, and uh, not that one. Uh, not oh, that yes, one. We got to yeah. do. Yeah, I got like birthdays and stuff. Oh, you know, all kinds of important stuff. Oh, no. Evelyn Bacellus says, happy birthday to her hubby, Diego Medina, who celebrates today, that being July 7th in the year of our Lord, 2013. 
Catriona Scott congratulates her other half, turns 33 today. And celebrating tomorrow, the lovely and talented Miss Mickey will be celebrating her birthday, so that should be a fun day. Happy birthday to all of you from your buddies and lovers here at the No Agenda Show. Then we have a couple titles. Uh, Sir Dr. Sharkey now becomes Baron Sir Dr. Sharkey, protector of the Great Smoky Mountains. And Sir Mark Dytham becomes the Baron of Tokyo. And Dame Astrid, which I don't know why it's not on here. I'm putting it on right now. Astrid becomes the Viscountess. Is that how you pronounce it? Viscountess? Yeah, the Viscountess. The Viscountess of Tokyo. What does she uh, get to do as a... Uh, as a, as a uh, Viscountess, is there some special? She can execute anyone at her own will. <laughs> just down. like the Brits. <laughs> she can execute anyone at her beckon. <laughs> at her beckon call. And we have. Uh... Oh, this is very nice. We have a a knight. We have one or two. Let me see. We have knighting to do, so let's uh, grab out the swords here, John. If you can grab your sword, then that will be perfect. John Reichert, or I think it would be Reichert. We think it'll be Reichert, John. R I C H E R T. Reichert. 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 I'll take Reichert. Uh, John, would you please step forward because you have contributed to the best podcast in the university amount of $1,000 or more. So we hereby pronounce the Sir John Knight of the Norwegian Roundtable. And for you, I have reserved Hookers and Blow, Red Poison, Chardonnay, Hot Pants and Booze, Long Haired Heavy Metal Guys and Scotch, Wenches and Beer, Rubenes, Women and Rose, Geishas and Sake, Vodka and Vanilla, Bong Hits and Bourbon, Sparkling Cider and Escorts, and Mutton and Mead right here at the table that is round with all of our knights and Names and of course, uh, along with this uh, comes uh, a certificate, and uh, you shall be receiving that at some point. I, I have a point of business. I have an announcement. No agenda show. Would like to announce that Eric the Shill has taken over the delivery and customer service regarding the rings. Yeah, that means rings are really coming. So uh, if you so make sure you send your note to a no, a rings at noagendanation.com. And I might add, a lot of the people that didn't get rings, Mimi gave up finally. She says, a guy says, I said, what's your ring size? He says, I don't know. She says, well, why don't you find out? She says, I don't care. It just became this kind of, you know, she couldn't get information. She'd be, but she's not like Eric. Eric is uh, a born... Somebody should just hire him for like two hundred fifty thousand dollars to manage uh, the he could, he customer could, he, relations. He could run Amazon. He actually wrote a customer relations management package. Yeah, yeah no, he's he's extremely good at it. Yeah, I mean, and, he's in the most family. Know why? He's and annoying, you, but when it comes to customers, <laughs> well, but this somebody is, please hire him. Can I can I give an outsider's view? <laughs> he is fantastic when it comes to this kind of stuff. When it, and and to getting things done and and you know I'm I'm very, oh I'm horrible when it's like you know, you got to sign this or approve this or whatever and he's very good at coming back at it and asking and you know never annoyed or whatever and never annoying and eventually I'll do what he wants me to do uh, for some reason w- within the family this is nightmarish I just see <laughs> see it happen like wow I don't know you guys all of you guys this is funny. The Dvorak family is funny. 
We're hilarious. You you're think a, we're funny? Yeah, you're a So anyway, so Eric sitcom. is back in charge of this, and I'm he will uh, catch you up to all the you know back stuff. But send him a note. Yeah. Rings at noagendanation dot com, and if you're gonna want, if you got a ring that you need because you just got your knighthood or something, you just send him the yeah. mailing address. What you, if you have a title, you, you know, you something. I don't know. Do you put the form together and it'll all be taken care of? Yes, and uh, he's also working on the uh, the special thirty three bags, all kinds of stuff. It's good to have him back in the saddle. We're very happy, and uh, but also if you do have a position to run an entire customer service of Amazon or eBay or something like that, yeah, you, this is the guy you need to hire. I would be very sad. Because no, it, we'd be screwed. Yeah, but, he's but he the, could probably still do it on a Sunday. <laughs> I don't know. He's busy. He likes, he likes to stay busy right, in some right. way, shape, or form. Hey, uh, so I, I did kind of, uh, I'd kind of finished out the dinner. I mean, I, I, I had, I hit everything right well, what down. What did you eat? Oh, what uh, did everybody say? Did they all drink? Were they a bunch of lushes? Were they just no. circumspect because they didn't want to get outed on the show for drinking too much? Oh, no, no. Very interesting. So first of all, it started, you know, Lori, who's an artist, she has a 3D printer now. And we all had to wait for her her 3D printed uh, napkin rings to be completed before we could eat. (laughs) She was making 3D, printing napkin rings. Yeah, well, that's what, you know, I've thought about getting a 3D printer. That's all you do. That's what I'd end up doing. That's all. That's Bear, I don't need more napkin rings. <laughs> That's amazing. What do you make? Napkin ring? Okay, great. Um, now she lowered the bar. She says she lowered the bar because it's my turn next. Uh, and she she made uh, gourmet hamburgers. Oh, she lowered the bar. That was her excuse because you're next and she figures you're like a lousy she, she cook. Did, she didn't say because I'm next, but she said I'm lowering the bar because she didn't want this thing to turn into... Now, this is a very interesting group. I mean, we, we, none of us agrees on anything, but yet it's a safe environment where we all can go nuts. It's, it's, it's hard to find that. And, and with the knowledge, because Lori actually said to, the, to, to Pennebaker, oh, by the way, everything you say is going to be in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in case we forgot to notify you, everything you say is on Adam's show tomorrow. I, uh... I'm sure there's a few things you've left out. Well, they deserve, well, of course, they, but they deserve it now because they're all, you know, Russ and Lori, they're getting interviewed by NPR. So now they're celebrities. So now they're fair game. I, I think. I think everybody's fair game if they yeah. show up with you. Yeah. yeah so the Pennebakers, um, lovely. I don't know if they're going to be in the in the core group. Uh, but this, this was, I, I think, at the end there, because um, we did have... Two vodka drinks, uh, some, um, not champagne, but what do you call it, Prosecco. Do they know that you really can't drink? <laughs> I'm, you know what, I, I have to admit, I'm very, very careful during these dinners because I, I need to record in my head. I can't be, like, writing stuff down or, like, talking to, the, talking to the microphone. But Mickey is actually, she's, she's hardcore during these dinners because she's the one that says, I I have a gun. <laughs> I love my gun. <laughs> or during the uh, uh, during the uh, the the abortion debate, Mickey's like, you know, I got I got I got a problem with this abortion thing. <laughs> I was like, yes, she's great. You know, she is. She's like, just you know, you got a fire. Here's Mickey. Oh, look, I have a can of gasoline. I'm just gonna throw it right on top. And it's fantastic because she 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 can lay into people like anybody. I just sat back and like, okay, this is good. I'm going to watch this one take place. 
And it's just, it's nice to see these different opinions. And I did get a beautiful email uh, from one what of What was the, the wine? We had, uh, I don't remember. It uh-huh. was, yes, I do. It was, uh, mm, no, I don't remember what it was. It was, a, it was a local wine. We have good wine here in Texas, or pretty good wine, I think. Uh, I, John, I don't remember why. Do you have to record this now? No, I'm just wondering. I just thought I it might, might I have been think it was an interesting group of people. I think it was a Latour. High-end, very high-end Austin kind of toy, hoity-toities. Yes. That you'd probably roll out some Latour or something. No. Like like our like our architects do. No, we don't when have they Latour. they casually, they bring out a, a <laughs> six-liter bottle of Latour. Latour. No, we, I don't think anyone at this dinner has Latour money. This is intellectual hoity-toity university people. They do okay. We're not super rich. We're not, for sure. It's drink good wine. But yeah, Latour you do. $6,000 bottle of Latour, yeah. Yeah, but that's a six-liter special bottle that's really old. I mean, that's this different than, you know, you, yeah, I would say Latour is out. Yeah. That's it, because of the Chinese, by the way. Yeah, I, I'd say uh, that's You used to be able to get non-star. Latour. I've gotten Latour as cheap as 50 bucks a bottle. Yeah, well, yeah, I, would, I would serve that if I had it. But, you know, Worse. there's good, similarly good wine. Okay, well, I'm next. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just, this is no, it's okay. I'm going to stop talking about it's all this right. stuff. It's all right. So uh, what I, I did get a beautiful email from one of the women at the dinner is saying, hey, you know, we feel so fortunate that we can have dinner with friends who don't necessarily have the same opinion because every other place we go, everyone set talks and all nods in agreement. And it's, <laughs> it's boring. <laughs> it's boring. Who needs that? Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. So now you and I have... A lot of people, by the way, I wouldn't say this. I have been in these situations because, you know, obviously my opinion is uh, is is libertarian style and it has certain things when you get a group especially around the bay area where everyone's a democrat you get in these groups and they're all nodding like you say and then if you start bringing some of this stuff up you will have one or two of these people that will never speak to you again ever, in your life ever again they'll, they'll avoid you like the plague yeah yep true um, you're but, toxic but now you and i you my friend and i have to work on the dinner the next dinner because it's going to be me we've done the double dip re- recession slave stew now we have to do something, you know, I, I got to up my game. Coco Van. Hmm, interesting. You think that's the way to go, Coco Van? Yeah, a lot of people haven't had it for a while, and when you have it, so it's always a pleasant dish. Yes, yeah, that's true. Okay. But you know what I think would really do it for you in this group? Hmm? Oryx. <laughs> Where first we show a little movie of me killing the Oryx. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then, and then exactly, skinning it. still photos with you holding its horn. <laughs> it's like, here it is. Bon appetit, baby. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So that was, the, uh, that was the dinner. It was very entertaining, very educational. I feel very fortunate that I can bring this information to y'all because we would not have known about this type of research. We would not. There's a lot of stuff we wouldn't know, and so I, I hope to keep it keep it all coming. Do we? I, I think we should just briefly touch on Egypt before we go. Briefly, yeah, we should. I'm trying to think. If there's anything here I have that I need. Well, the thing I have on uh, on Egypt is that remember we were tracking El Baraday, and there, and everyone was saying, "Oh, El Baraday is going to be prime minister," and they announce him on you know in the media. Except they forgot to tell the Egyptian people. <laughs> because he's like, he's not prime minister. <laughs> and he's doing his best to pretend 
It's, it's just hilarious. And he's like, and, and he's he's doing interviews and and and, but everywhere today, and this is Sunday. Everyone's reporting. Well, maybe he's not exactly. You know, not everyone, not everybody agrees. And this guy was just, and he is from the International Crisis Group. This is a Soros guy. And yeah. This is this is a guy who who essentially you know is a complete shill. And this revolution. This, there was another. This was kind of interesting. I think this is along the same lines, propaganda. This is an Egyptian who showed up on YouTube with a message to President Obama. Dear Mr. Obama, I'm talking to you today on behalf of a lot of Egyptians who want to deliver a message not only for you, for all the American citizens. Leave us alone. All the families in Egypt want to tell you this message. Leave Egypt alone, please, Mr. Obama, and stop supporting the terrorists. Stop supporting the friends of Omar Abdurrahman, the terrorists who killed lots of Americans. Stop supporting the allies of Ayman al-Zawahri, of Pakistan, of Taliban. You are giving them the full support by calling what's happening in Egypt a military coup. It's not a military coup. It's a revolution done by a civilized people, civilized Egyptians, who are counted officially more than 30 million. Here's what I find interesting. Wait, wait, can I say something first? Please. Putin. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. It's Putin. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. The guy, the yeah. whole, the whole structure of what that guy said was totally Russia, Russia today. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Bull crap. And here's, here's what I find interesting. Do you think that the American armed forces could ever do this in America where, uh, oh, well, we'll just remove the government because the people want it? I think they had their shot with Smedley Butler. Back in the 30s with the Roosevelt. The, they would, the, the plot. The, uh, the plot to get Roosevelt out. And it was a big plot. All Democrats, by the way, it was all the Democrat industrialists, which is where most of the money is, uh, decided to. And people can look this up. It's, it's Look up Smedley Butler. Uh, but it was very, it was very it's close called, to coming off. Business, and Smedley the, Butler, who was a very famous plot. general at the time, had decided, given it to go ahead, it would have happened. It's too late now. It'll right. never happen. It's called the business plot is uh, what John is referring to. And I think it was uh, General Smedley Butler who said, all war is a racket. I think that was his quote. Right. He wrote a little well. book on that. It's a very small book, but it yeah. says war is a racket. War is a racket. Did he say war or all war? War. I'm sure it's just war. I believe you. So anyway, so Butler nixed the whole thing and that was the end of it it would have happened uh, yeah. and that, then we'd be screwed in that cycle i think that this particular situation in egypt is has to wake up the uh, military in turkey because the oh, turks yeah. are doing this oh, constantly yeah. but of course this erdogan outflanked them and but according to today's new york times let me grab the front page okay oh can i um uh yeah you might as well yeah might as well hold on a second yeah where is uh, uh, we haven't done this in a while, actually. Two more, uh, two headlines on the front page above the fold that are worth looking at. They have the plane on fire, of course. 
One of them, but which is not what I'm going to talk about, but you should at least know this. In secret, the court vastly broadens the power of NSA. <laughs> oh, this is what I was talking about. This this is the whole New York Times article. Yeah, it's right there on the front page. And the front page just below the fire, uh, burning plane, Morsi spurned deals seeking uh, seeing the military as tamed because he had figured that he had decapitated the military knowing that they could pull a stunt like this and got relaxed. I think this is going on in Turkey right now. Would make sense. And if they if they don't calm these, the Turks are irked. They're, they, this is a situation where the middle class, what's left of them, and, and many of the, the, the elites uh, are irked by the government and the way they're handling things, and they, and they know how it could be done. How, the easy way to do this is to just take over the place of the military and start over. And I think uh, it, it, it can't happen in this country, in the United States. I don't see this happening ever. How do you take And the... it would be ridiculous. We, got, we have a pretty stri strict system. If it was a parliamentary system where somebody could stay in office forever, it would be a problem. Right. But this... It was a problem with Roosevelt staying in for four terms. You, feel, you still think that this is um, – uh, I mean, I do. I, th th this is still a Russian slash uh, Chinese plot uh, what's happening in uh, in Egypt? It's got I mean, the Chinese. I think are just supporters. I, I don't think they're involved seriously right, right, from the right, intelligence right, side. Right, right. I think it's a totally a Russian deal, though. These Russians are sick and tired. Yeah, and I think they've been given the go ahead by our intelligence people. <laughs> go ahead, do the whatever CIA you want. In particular, said like, you know, do 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 because the CIA is getting blamed <laughs> for a lot of stuff. Yeah. And it's like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> here is the, uh, here's the proof. Chinese and Russian naval forces will be putting on a show of strength over the next week. They're holding joint exercises in the... This is a new meme. The show of strength, show of force, show of whatever. Sea of Japan. China state-run Xinhua News Agency reports the eight-day drill will start Friday off Vladivostok in Russia's Far East. The navies will use 18 ships, including China's latest destroyer. They'll also have submarines and aircraft on hand for the live fire drills. Xinhua quoted a top general with the Chinese People's Liberation Army as saying the exercises are designed to boost cooperation and capability. He said the two nations can play a positive role in regional security and stability. <laughs> yeah, and they're pat patrolling Japan where we've got uh, this is the whole thing is do we not why let me ask you this why is this not being reported as a huge chilling cold war why is this not being played up it seems like a beautiful script for for the for the news media it's, it's fun it's great but you know it's got all the elements you want in it i mean in, in fact I don't really want them to do it because now we get to, we get to do it. We get to analyze the phony uh, plane landings, and we've got the the everyone yelling in South America. I mean, I love it. I love that we, that you're leaving it all to us. But why are you leaving all that meat on the table? I don't know why they're leaving that meat on the table, and it is meat. And in fact, this whole Putin thing. And my favorite thing was when he when, did you see he did you see Putin do his press conference about Snowden? Yeah, he where was, he's saying he, for one thing, he's got a smirk. Yeah, he's laughing. And, and they kept showing pictures of the audience of these of these Putin Putin bots yeah. kind of doing everything they can to keep from cracking up. Well, that's that, that's Putin the whole says, thing. 
Putin says, yeah, we will. We take Snowden in, but we'd require really we'd be real strict about making sure he doesn't do any more of these revelations. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You know, he, we don't <laughs> like that because our great friends, the United States of America, this is an insult to them. We we, we would have to put a stop to that. Yeah, we couldn't have any of that. <laughs> and he's just so phony and he's laughing. His eyes are twinkling. He's just having a ball doing this stuff because he's, you know, former KGB, so he knows all these tricks. Oh, yeah. And I guess, you know, probably still runs the security mechanism, I'm sure. Oh, it's it's more like, uh, uh... <laughs> hey, Glenn, Glenn, it's, it's Vlad. Hey, hey, yeah, right. You got any more of that PowerPoint stuff? Man, this shit is hilarious, brother. Put some more out there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, good. Excellent. Oh, by the way, I'm going to call Lanny Rufenstahl. You see that she's now publishing? What? Lenny Rufenstahl. Ah, that's not her name. Uh, <laughs> Laura uh, Poitras. Oh, Floyd, yeah. The filmmaker? Yeah. She's now, she's now reporting in Der Spiegel. She, so, oh. so she's the one that got the half a million dollar payoff, and she's put in this uh, report that she has seen uh, internal documents, which is not published. Um, about all the spying done on Germany. These people are agents. And Glenn Greenwald, you want to have a laugh? Are you following his Twitter? No, not oh, really. Oh, my God. John. I, I, oh. I am following it, but I haven't seen oh, no, anything no. You, noteworthy. You just have to go to his Twitter and just watch it update. And he's pretty, he's like, oh, Edward really wrote that thing in, in WikiLeaks. He just has a problem with nouns. Uh, <laughs> I, I kid you not. This is the stuff he's writing. He's defending the 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 bogative Snowden writing on WikiLeaks. Glenn Greenwald is he a reporter or what is he? What is Glenn Greenwald? Well, I don't know what Glenn, Glenn Greenwald is, but he's doing everything he can to stay in the public eye to do a book deal. That's well, the way I see it. But this is what's so stupid. Where where's the book? Get it out already. No, that's it. That is kind of surprising that somebody hasn't called him to do a book. Well, maybe the payoff was so huge just to do all this crap. I don't know. Uh, I've got so much stuff we're going to do. have to do, uh, to pass on for Thursday. Let me see. I've got um, – I've been sitting on this Haiti report from the General Accounting and Oversight Office, which is so damning. And not a peep in the news, so – I can just hold on to that. I, I think I've had it for almost three weeks now. It'll hold. But you can imagine it's not good. Uh, I got that. That's it. A lot of the stuff we do on the show is not good. Right. Except for the show itself. There you go. I did get a lot of uh, email about this one particular clip, the Los Angeles show of force, about the... Um, which I which I just wanted to replay this fifteen second clip about the holidays being tied to uh, terror events, uh, which of course is less and less going to be this uh, fact. It's not going to be the Fourth of July, uh, but a lot of people pointed out several things in this uh, in this particular piece of the clip as we're talking to some uh, muckety muck there in Los Angeles who was terrorizing citizens uh, with uh, 
uh, police officers in complete uh, fatigues and camouflage combat gear with automatic, full automatic rifles and night vision goggles and tanks. Yesterday, federal authorities released a bulletin saying the country is on heightened alert. Anytime you have a holiday, it's something that you want to look at. You, you, uh, the Boston bombing took place uh, on Patriots Day. Uh, the uh, Times Square uh, uh, incident took place on uh, May Day. Benghazi on 9-11. Uh, so okay, dates- so here's, here's the things that people emailed me. And we are even learning how to listen better. Uh, May Day is, is really quite a cultish uh, celeb- celebration. Uh, if you look into the, uh, to the occultish uh, parts of May Day, uh, that is a very weird thing to say that, uh, oh, you know, this took place on this celebration of occultism. Yes, May Day is, you know, is a day of labor celebration. But if you look into the Maypole and all this stuff, there's a lot going on. But the funniest thing is this guy calls 9-11 a holiday. That's pretty hilarious. <laughs> well, it's one of these days. <laughs> right? It will be a holiday. Like, holy crap. How, how could we have missed that one? Yeah. Jeez. Well, that's why it is the best podcast in the universe. Although we shall never receive an award for such. It's because we have the best producers in the universe who support the program financially and with content. And that includes my friends here in Austin who put up with me at their dinners. Watch out for you. you should have a taster. A taster? Yeah, somebody who tastes your food. <laughs> All righty. <laughs> not a bad plan. Thank you for suggesting that. All right, everybody. A little bit longer than normal, but what can I tell you? There's just so much going on. We'll be back with you on Thursday. Thank you very much for your support of the program. Remember, Dvorak.org slash N-A. P.O. Box 339, El Cerrito, 94530, California, USA, for your checks and other goodies. And coming to you from the capital of the Drone Star State here in Texas, that is Austin at the Travis Height Hideout. I'm Adam Curry in the morning. And from northern Silicon Valley, where I'm here with the crickets. Crickets. I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll be back on Thursday with another thrilling episode of the best podcast in the universe right here on No Agenda. Now you know your neighborhood. Keep an eye on it. A stranger taking a shortcut through the backyard next door might have broken into your neighbor's home. Report him. Report him. A strange car parked illegally might be loaded with stolen goods waiting to make a getaway. Report it. Report it. That loud fight next door might be the start of a violent crime. Report it. Report it. If you see a prowler at night, don't frighten him away by turning on a light. Report him. Report him. Remember, by helping us apprehend a criminal, you'll make sure that you're not his next victim. I guess you can sum it up in two words. What's that? Get involved. involved. If you see something, say something. The best podcast in the universe. Bullshit. Dvorak.org slash N-A.